Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. come to my attention that how you bill something is not actually how you have to go ahead with it. For example, Hell in a Cell, they never stay in the cell. TLC, well, were they actually TLC matches? And now the much-loved Survivor Series pay-per-view concept is now the bastard child of bragging rights and Knight of Champions. Therefore, this is no longer the Hooked On podcast because it seems that we can be whatever we want to be. So this is something to wrestle with. No, let me see. We can do better than that. This is because WCW... No, actually, we can do much better than that as well. Um, Let me see. This is the art of wrestling with Colt... I'd rather sell my soul. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hook Pond Podcast. I'm Rob McNichol, and with me, my friend and colleague, as always, showbiz Paul Benson. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, sir. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I had a little bit of a mini nightmare at the start there, at the uh, start of the podcast. Uh, whew, a little bit out of breath with uh, what nearly happened to me there, but I'm okay. I think I saved it. I think we're back what in the world happened, of... Well, do you, do you need... Uh, no. You, you, you know, okay, okay, you're going to be with us? You're going to be okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll be okay. It's, it's just it was just, woo. Just for a second there, I had a bit of a uh, a bit of a funny turn, but uh, it's okay. I'm like sort of Perry Satin, um, just going to pretend I never actually had sex with a mop, uh, and I'll be back in the room and we'll pretend none of that ever happened. How you doing, mate? Having a good week? I've had a very good week, thank you, mate. And uh, apologies to everyone who listened last week and heard the zombified version of Paul Benson. Um, I genuinely can't even remember recording last week's podcast. Brilliant. Uh, the thing is, is that no one could tell. So you thought you well, were, that's you thought you were a zombie and utterly rubbish, and everyone went just went same as normal. So yeah, no, normal normal service resumed. Didn't really bother them. Anyway, um, it's been a busy week. It's always a busy week in uh, in wrestling. It seems there's always plenty going on. Uh, there's always plenty to discuss, there's always plenty to talk about. Um, but because we've decided that we've been a bit negative on this podcast over the last, last couple of weeks, we're going to do very little talking about what's going on now. Uh-huh. Because it's going to depress us, it's going to make me angry, and it's going to make us all shouty, and we don't like that. So we're going to try, try and do some happy, happy, jolly, jolly good times here on Hooked On Podcast. And basically that means, because me and Paul have become crotchety middle-aged men, uh, it means talking about the old days. So, can I can I can I just contradict that very slightly and tell you a really fun story that I haven't actually I haven't actually told you genuinely I've not told you this yet but you'll cool. like this. Okay. Um, and it goes on from our chat about your visit to Casa Benson last week and your impression on my young son. Um, so we're in the kitchen a couple of days ago, just horsing around doing whatever, and I turn around to him. We're, we're sort of bantering back and forth as he does this little three-year-old banter, and he starts doing the whole waving his hand in front of his face thing. Brilliant. I said. I said, what are you doing? He goes, you can't see me. You can't see me. I said, who says that? He goes, John Cena. Correct. And I, t- I turned around to my wife and said, I have not taught him that. <laughs> that is not me. And she's looking at me accusingly. I guess somebody where'd you get that from? He goes, Rob taught me. 
<laughs> yes! Yes! That is the best news I have heard in so long. Yeah. So well done, you're a role model. Brilliant. Well, hey, listen, I could have taught him worse. It could have been DX, couldn't it? Let's face it. That's true. All other That's stuff true. it could have been. He is now he's going to follow the teachings of John Cena. Hustle, loyalty, respect, and poking fun of fat people. That's what John Cena does. So, so he will learn... <laughs> He will learn the right ways of the world and he will grow up to be an honourable, rich man who wears lots of different coloured t-shirts. That sounds good to me. Wonderful. And, allegedly, if you believe some gossipy websites, may turn up as a guest referee soon. But uh, that's another story entirely. Um, did you see that? I may or may not have seen a poster featuring a guest referee for Survivor Series and it may or may not have been John Cena. Mm. Seems a bit spurious to me, that, but... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we also, I also seem to have seen some uh, bits of spurious information that suggests that uh, we may be seeing The Undertaker returning at the 25th anniversary of Raw. What do you think of that? Oh, now, how cool is that? No, seriously, um, I'm not enamoured with The Undertaker returning ever, frankly. I think that should have been his retirement. But doing a 25-year uh, anniversary where they're doing half of it from the uh, Barclays Centre in Brooklyn and half from the Manhattan Centre is about as cool as it could fucking get, yeah, frankly. that is quite, um, quite a nice idea. Um, I've seen, I can count at least two people on my Facebook feed who immediately said they've gone and booked tickets to go out to New York for the show, and if I wish to God I could join them, because that would be one hella evening, as long as you got in the Manhattan Centre rather than the Barclays Centre. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Be, um, that would be pretty cool. Do you know who I hope? I genuinely, really, really... There's only one person... Uh, two people actually that I really really hope are on that show Max Moon and Damien Demento incorrect incorrect Damn. Rob Bartlett and Sean Mooney <laughs> what about Todd Pettengill no, no, oh was Todd on the original Raw well actually I think technically he was on Mania wasn't he yeah, he did do it Mania which was the highlight show for Raw yeah, in the UK I, don't, I wouldn't have said that Todd Pettengill was on the opening one I'm thinking I remember Sean Mooney Bobby Heenan <laughs> Sean being fooled by Heenan's various disguises trying to get into the uh, into the Manhattan set and a bless Bobby sadly best but can you tell me why I mention the names of Max Moon and Damien Demento I sure can because they wrestled Sean Michaels and The Undertaker as I recall in individual singles matches um, which Max Moon was that was that Conan at the time or was that uh, was it Paul Diamond by then I would suspect I think I don't think Conan actually made it to television did not make it to TV um yeah, I think it was probably Paul Diamond, wasn't yeah, it? Probably, um, probably, yeah. And I, I, I can go on record as saying Damien Demento was the Damien Demento. Yeah, it was that was I think it might have been Damien Demento's TV debut or or something like that. It was quite an early Damien Demento. They sort of just gave him to take it quite early on. But uh, I, I loved Damien Demento. <laughs> I loved, I loved all those all those early '90s gimmicks. I've got such a such a nostalgia for them. You know, Max Moon, Damien Demento, Mantar, uh, you have to, Adam well, well, Bob. You're gonna have to hold your fire. I, I think this is a, this is a show, isn't it? We're not we're not gonna we're not gonna talk, we're not gonna talk about that today. But I think that's a show in its in itself with just me and you yapping over five or ten different um, mad gimmicks each week. <laughs> in fact, I'll just give you a short one. Who who is the only person I've ever seen wrestle Steve Austin? Oh God, I know the answer to this. It, is it Duke the Dumpster Drozzy? No, worse. Henry Godwin. Worse. Stinkier. You're getting you're in the right. You're in the stinky bracket. T.L. Hopper. T.L. Hopper is the correct hey. answer. Oh no, I've got that wrong. I've got that wrong. Rock. That's the Rock. Sorry. That's the only person I've seen the oh. Rock wrestle. <laughs> that's even better. The Rock. Rocky Maivia. <laughs> 
Rocky Maivia beats T.L. Hopper with a shoulder breaker. And later on that evening, I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestle the Portuguese man of war, Aldo Montoya. Oh, outstanding. Do you know, I've never actually seen The Rock or Steve Austin wrestle no. properly in the flesh. That was my only two, uh, my only two examples. Uh, at, mm. uh, House show, Birmingham, November 1996. Uh, nice. Do you know what? It was it was right after The Rock's debut. So you know we talk about The Rock's debut in the Survivor Series, yeah. don't we, at that time? So literally, yeah, oh, yeah. the following week, um, well, they were over here's here. A here's a good trivia question for you. And I'm, I'm going to spoil this because it is going to be in the Survivor Series quiz. But which three men have debuted at Survivor Series, actually their in-ring television debut being at Survivor Series, who have gone on to become WWF, WWE champion? Make may I? We haven't rehearsed this, but I will go straight you forward mean? and say The Rock, Undertaker, Kurt Angle. Ah, too easy. Bang! Too easy. Too easy. Doesn't... Quite, quite interesting though, isn't it? Like I know we're going to come to talk about Survivor Series later, and it's generally considered to be the lower ranking of what was the Big Four. But when you sit and think about it, there's been some really historic, momentous oca- moments and occasions that have happened at Survivor Series. Tons and tons of them. This is a gobbledygooker-free zone. Oh, you can mention fucking Mantor, and I can't say gobbledygooker. Behave yourself. Correct. Correct. Anyway, uh, someone pointed out last week, by the way, uh, do you know how sometimes you end up using little uh, traits and phrases that uh, friends of yours say, and it ends up getting into your your life? Someone commented, a friend of mine that doesn't know you, right, um, said they've listened to the podcast a few times, not every week, but they've listened to it right. a few times, and they said, you said behave like I do last week. <laughs> <laughs> they said, I was listening to the podcast, and Paul went, oh, Paul went, behave, and he, and he went, that's, and I, but the thing is, I didn't know that I say it, and he says, yeah. he says, Rob, you say it all the time, I go, do you? I go, behave, and like, apparently you did it last week on the podcast, so I didn't, I didn't notice you did it, because I didn't even notice that I do it, but apparently I go, behave all the time, and, well, and, I, and I, you I, copied it last week, so... You definitely do do it all the time, but I didn't realise I'd copied it. <laughs> I like I like having catchphrases that you don't really know that you have. So, although I, I don't know if I have the catchphrase or whether Trevor Danger has the catchphrase. So. <laughs> What's my catchphrase? I don't think I've got a catchphrase. Uh, just, no, I'm not sure. I, I, when you say one, I'll stop you and I'll... Uh, I should probably force one, shouldn't I? I should probably try and ram one down someone's throat. I'm going to have to have a think about a suitably suitably cool and winning catchphrase. i tell you what you did do, is just before we came on, we did this on Skype, folks, and basically Paul will send me a message when he's ready, and I'll call him. Um, And you said something, you went to acronym land, and you said something, and I didn't know what you were saying. What did you say? You you said you were... D-T-F. Yeah, but what did you say? What what does that mean? It means down to fuck. (laughs) Not to put too fine a point on it. But I still don't know what that means. What do you it mean? It means I'm ready, ready for some sex, Rob. Right. Is it, would you? Could you imagine? I just, I just. My point is, I imagine someone saying that and just going, "All right, love, I'm, uh, I'm DTF." And you go, <laughs> and I, going, I don't think so. I don't think you are, mate. Is this the last? It's the sort of catchphrase that you have to be basically rock level cool to actually make work. If you or I told the girl, rocked into the bedroom and told the girl we were DTF, there would be no D, T or Fing going on for the foreseeable future. No, D possibly. We'd all be feeling very D about about proceedings, but... um, I would imagine the F would be followed by off and the and the kick in the testicles. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you are not. Yeah. The, I like you, mate. You're a good friend of mine, but you are not the Rock. You're a sort of middle thirties balding Yorkshireman. 
So it's um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. Mainly because I know you're not a Yorkshireman, and I can never quite remember what you are—North North Lincolnshire Onian. I'm a I'm a Lincolnshireian. Yeah, we're, we're, we've done this before. Yeah, oh, in fact, in fact, we are. I, this is we, before we go any further. We should point out to, to to you, dear listener. You know, yes, you, the one that hates us talking about football all the time. Um, oh, I know where you're going with we this. We should point out that it is the Emirates FA Cup this Saturday. Uh, the FA Cup um, for those non-football fans. I'm sure even then you know still know that the FA Cup, the uh, most historic and most respected cup competition in the world, um, is being graced by Plymouth Argyle versus Grimsby Town this Saturday at Home Park, mm-hmm. which is basically my lot versus Paul's lot. Um, and last season we played each other twice. Grimsby won one. The other one was a draw when we needed to win to win the league. Um, and we have never ever played each other in the FA Cup what do you think of that so it's going to be a uh, a huge occasion for about 3,000 people uh, including you and me I think we should have a little bet on this Rob that comes good in the uh, here's what we should do here's what we should do if it's a draw then we can move it to the replay but the losing team okay if my team loses you have to nominate a wrestling theme song that I have to sing in its entirety on the next podcast and vice versa. Okay, okay I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Does it have to be uh, one that's got lyrics? Um, yes, it has. Oh, well, no, hey, mate, if you win, it's entirely up to you. Okay. You can give me whatever theme you wish. But you have to give me notice so I can go away and learn the rhythms right. or vice versa but um, I've got a few candidates for you and I don't think you'd be so happy with it oh, when I you've got some uh... candidates oh well, I didn't even know this was happening so you've, you've, well, de- you've decided on this challenge ahead of time haven't you they've just popped into my head because I, I can is, think laterally like that it's TNA Impact Open Fight Night <laughs> remember <laughs> that as a concept everyone's pulling one out of firmly out of my arse to find that one TNA Open Fight Night um, but uh, okay challenge accepted have I got until the end of the podcast to come up with something for you then no no you don't have to nominate it tonight um, we'll do it off we'll do it out of uh, off air um, and then the the loser will sing next week or if there's a replay the week after no I'll tell you who the loser is if there's a replay bloody me I'll have to get a Cleethorpes on a Tuesday from from, <laughs> from, from, from deepest Devon and I will be having to go up to... Listen, if it's nil-nil with five minutes to go, I want a goal. I don't care who scores it. I want a goal. I want that game ended. I do not want to have to go to Cleethorpe slash Grimsby on a Tuesday in November. I, I can't actually fault you there, mate. <laughs> There's nothing actually inherently wrong with the place. It's just it's a, it was easier to get to Madrid than it is to get to... Uh, <laughs> than it is to get to bloody Cleethorpe. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, will, you're right. it will be and cheaper so it will be a nightmare anyway people don't want us talking football what I will say is I've actually got a little a little uh, competition of my own in mind later on but a, sl- a slightly less uh, less harmful one than forcing either of us to uh, to sing on the podcast but uh, we'll come to that a little bit later on um, we um, we mentioned I mentioned earlier on that it was my first experience of a uh, uh, of a of a live event was um, was going to see WWE in there uh, November 2006 um, and uh, it's now November 27 not 2006 1996 I beg your pardon it's now 21 years later uh, but the tours are still going in fact I think they're on tour are they on tour right now yeah yeah they are yeah in fact where are they tonight I spoke to Dave Bradley they're in um, Brighton tonight oh yeah well Dean would have gone uh, Dean Ayas who's a friend of the podcast who uh, 
you'd have heard on here before um, oh, the, yeah. of the Because WCW podcast and a uh, very good standing actually a few weeks ago when uh, you sodded off and left me um, so uh, yeah I hope, hope, he's having, <laughs> hope he's having a good time or, uh, we'll have to get him on at some point and do a uh, uh, correspondent from, you know, from the show we did that with you when you saw the show in uh, in Leeds didn't we for the NXT so we'll, uh, we'll have to talk to Dean at some point about his uh, his experiences in Brighton watching well, WWE why don't we just ring him now <laughs> ring him now just what, in the middle of the show and just just well, annoy him I was going to well you took the words out of my mouth there you know for a fact you know Dean as well as I do whatever he's whether he's enjoying or not enjoying what he sees in the ring there's nothing that could be more annoying than him than keeping hanging him on the hanging on the phone talking utter shite for a few minutes. What do you think? Uh, I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea, and I'm <laughs> going through my phone. Uh, I'm trying to work out how to do it on the Skype. I don't. Want, I don't want to call him on Skype. He's probably not on. No, he's, he's, his Skype is on away. It probably won't work if it goes to Skype. I wouldn't well, answer I, if it came to Skype on my phone. So should we just I tell you what we stuff? should do? I tell you. I tell you what we should do because. We don't want to bore the listeners with you getting to grips with Skype. Why don't we just make a very slight cut here, slightly artificial no, 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 cut? No, 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 it's and fine, it's fine. Cause it's, you can do it. I can, can you? I can do it while we're talking. I can do it while we're talking. I'll, okay. I'll okay, do it. Okay. At some point, basically, we're going to talk in a second, and, and you're going to hear hello. If, if, okay, if fine, it's working fine. properly. So we'll just... Um, we'll just <laughs> sorry, actually, I have faith. No, well, you, just, you, you say that, and now you're looking at my, uh, my um, ability to multitask and do two things. I think it's ringing. I think it's ringing, Paul. Okay. <laughs> In fact, let's because, because I genuinely can't do two things at once. Let's just be silent for two seconds and oh. see if we can get him. Dean. Hello, Hello mate. How's it going? Who's this? Uh, this you are live on the Hooked On podcast right now. We were just discussing your uh, very name, and we thought, hey, we'll see what Dean's up to. What are you doing, mate? I'm, I'm at WWE Live in Brighton right oh, now. Oh, Super! That's, that, that's amazing. Uh, what's uh, what's happening? Let's uh, talk us through what's happening in the ring right now. We we have Nia Jax and Bailey in the ring. It's a tag match. Nia Jax and uh, Alexa Bliss, the Sturgeon, Amazon Echo owners everywhere, against Bailey and uh, Sasha Banks. Oh, that sounds. Hey, uh, we, we, we we wish we were there. Are you having a good time? Um, I'm, I'm having a wonderful time, apart from the fact that someone's just phoned me in the middle of the show. I mean, who does that? Unbelievable. Oh, that's... It's enjoyable. We, we, we had a very good start, because we had... Oh, nice just both, both uh, Bailey and Sasha. We, we had the opening match with Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, which is kind of the wow. best opener I've ever seen, yeah. That's decent. So you just let you left after match one, really. That's that, that would be good enough. We've still got uh, Triple H um, being a member of the Shield for one night. Oh, he's your favourite, isn't uh, he? No, as, I, as I recall from previous podcasts. Well, they have they have genuinely changed the graphic, um, the event graphic on the Brighton Centre website, so it's got Triple H in front and centre. <laughs> That, that, that is the level of the man's ego. Are you going to run down to the? Are, are you going to run down to the front and try and uh, shake hands with your hero? Uh, no, I'm up in the balcony, mate. So it's not going to happen. But um, it's all right, I, I'm, I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. Triple H will get the winning pencil. Uh, so let's have a no. look. I'm just going to go on to Paddy no. Power and check the odds on that. Oh, it's oh, it's, uh, it's one, <laughs> one to two hundred and fifty million. So uh, that's yeah, excellent. That, that's <laughs> Oh, we also had uh, a match between Braun Strowman and Kane, which ended in about two minutes after Kane hit Braun Strowman with a chair. 
I have had oh. dumps that have lasted longer than that match. <laughs> oh, but but I, still, uh, better quality. Quality over quantity, yeah, but by sheer contrast, I'm going to uh, Riptide Wrestling in Brighton tomorrow, so that will be very much, very different to this event. Oh, that, that was lovely. The, the the heart of British indie wrestling still comes through, even though he's yes. sold his soul to go but, and sit in the balcony and watch Triple H but, tonight. But it was, it was also it was also heartwarming to see uh, Finn Balor on the microphone acknowledging that um, he, he's rich in wrestling, we're just down the road in Kent. That, uh, oh, which obviously was Hammerlock. Oh, uh, that was very nice of him. Yes, and we also had a, a British UK division with uh, my old mate Joe Connor, Joseph Connor, you know, Mark Andrews as well. They won the crowd over as well, which is nice. That is superb. But you've been a bit, you've been a bit too positive and happy, which is annoying us because we thought we'd, uh, we wanted to ring you up and really annoy you, and you seem quite happy. So uh, you're ruining this call, mate. Well, um, if, if the women's match was a bit more interesting, I'd be getting angry at you. Okay, but, sure oh, they're, they're, they're kind of they're kind of phoning it in at the moment. As indeed are we. Do, do us a uh, favour. Hey. Give us a, give us a quick hello and a shout out to our listeners, and then we'll let you get back on with your night. Uh, hello, all of the Yorkshire podcast listeners. This is Inquisitor Genius coming at you live from the balcony at the Brighton Centre uh, for WWE Live. And I'm looking forward to seeing Triple H. Brilliant. Well, we love you, Dean. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Superb. I think I heard, with that one hand clapping at the end there, I don't know if that's the biggest ovation Dean's ever had, but it just sounded like just someone just clapping (laughs) us off. Slapping slapping us off. I tell you what, that was highly amusing, but in another way extremely disappointing you sounded way too jolly you sure that was really Dean you called <laughs> it did that's the trouble isn't it is that <laughs> how, what good mates we are we're, we're good friends of Dean's we are that both of us are, are a bit, we're a little bit annoyed that he was so happy <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that really wrong of us oh shit well, he's having a good time that's really annoying <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anyway, anyway, despite our annoyance, <laughs> listeners, you have now got a live report from WWE at, WWE at the Brighton Centre. Yeah. So you know, we've got we've now got on location reporters like Sky Sports News. Rob, is that what it's called, the Brighton Centre? It is. It's it's the one of the worst. I used to live in Brighton yeah, know, by the way, for five that. years, and I lived just around the corner from the Brighton Centre, and it is the worst venue of that type I've ever been to in my life. It's like a big school gymnasium. It's dreadful. I'm just I'm just thinking more of the people that have you know they've been up all night thinking of the name of it, haven't they? What's <laughs> well, uh, uh, Brighton Centre. Oh yeah, brilliant. Have they got a sponsor? Well, clearly not. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be the you know the the non-Brighton named Brighton Centre, yeah. wouldn't it? It would be the the American Express Dome or something like that. Yeah, absolutely terrible, um, uh, terrible start um, to um, to everything really. It's just going with the name Brighton and then something else. It doesn't really work. But then I suppose every everywhere else in the world does the same thing, and then it's all um, corporately taken over the top, isn't it? What am I talking there about, Paul? Save me, save the podcast. I don't know what I'm on about. Slap. Yeah. Okay. Wow. There we go. There we go. Second time you've had to do that this evening, the virtual slap to uh, um, to get us sorted. Right, we've been talking basically for about half an hour. We haven't really started yet, but um, in our quest to uh, avoid all matters uh, up to date and current, because uh, because it's crap. 
um, we're going to uh, basically have a chat about Survivor Series, aren't we? We're going to do a little bit of uh, some Survivor Series memories and favourite things. And we, we started on the road there before <laughs> before we decided to try and irritate our friend. <laughs> Um, well, the thing the thing I'm looking forward to in this discussion, Rob, is I know your feelings on Survivor Series pay-per-view, and I know you're not a fan, and I want to try and change your mind slightly. I think your your hatred of the Survivor Series gimmick might be clouding your judgment a wee bit. I don't think it's, um, it's not a hatred. It's not a hatred. It's not. It, but it's um, here's the thing. I'm lucky enough to have started watching wrestling at the very point when, for example the Royal Rumble started to mean something. And what I mean by that is it's quite hard for anyone that got into wrestling after 1991-92 to understand that for the first four, five, six years of its existence, the Royal Rumble was just a match. Like, basically, the Royal Rumble was just the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. It was just a match, and there was no real consequences. By 1992, mm. um, we'd, uh, there was no champion, so the Rumble match was for the title, which is what the one that Flair won, the very famous one. And then from the year after, in 93, that is when they put in the stipulation that the winner of the Rumble goes on to face the winner of the, uh, the, t- the championship at WrestleMania. And we've been used to that for the last you know, 24, coming up 25 years of, uh, of that sort of concept, um, which we all ex- you know, expect now. Um, so the fact that for the first few years it was just a match is kind of uh, you know, lost on us, or lost on some of us. What I'm saying about Survivor Series is Survivor Series always got me because I never really saw a point to Survivor Series. Unless every now and again there was a group-on-group a group grudge. You know, and whether that was you know, a, a, a disparate band of anti-Americans getting put to the sword by the Honourable Lex Luger and some other Yanks, or whether it was, um, you know... Jerry Lawler and his diminutive um, king brethren being knocked around by Doink and his uh, his wee pals. Um, you know, there was... <laughs> I know I'm being a bit facetious about that one, but there was... Unless there was a sort of clan v clan issue, I never really understood the point of Survivor Series. It was just like... Especially when you would now, in the modern era, just or even, you know, 15, 16 years ago, you'd watch Raw, and it was just full of six-man tags and tag team matches every week where you just had some heels and baby faces thrown together and have a match it's not unusual for it to happen um, and so I just was always a little bit of the opinion that there was no consequence to Survivor Series there was no real heated issue that got solved there was no title that got won and I think it was just a bit of a nothing show for me for for, for the most part I've just alienated you and our entire listenership haven't I? No 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 no, no. like I, I again I think I agree with you in the fact that there's, you know, if you look at the Survivor Series matches um, in the past, I think there is a direct correlation between great Survivor Series matches and ones with um, with genuine consequences on the line. Um, that said, there's so much to me. There's so much more to the Survivor Series pay per view than just those matches. Um, there, there, I like them. I'm I'm a, a fan when they're done right. When they're done wrong, they're inoffensive. Uh, they're out out and out terrible. But the so you know, starting with 1990, 1990 really, I'd say, um, there's so much historical context at these pay-per-views that it's quite easy to to forget, and it's also quite easy to forget that this was remember WWE's or WF's second pay-per-view. Um, it was only it was only preceded by WrestleMania. Now, I'm sure some listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not the biggest WCW NWA historian, but Am I right in thinking that Survivor Series was created as a direct competition to Starcade? I think it um, was, yeah. I think so. I think 
and I think if I remember rightly the uh, Vince went around the cable providers and said if you don't take Survivor Series and sack off Starcade you won't get Wrestlemania so it was a real important um, shot across the bows and you could arguably say it started the war between the two companies um, and then like I say from 1990 onwards there's some fun and, and let's go through it you know let's go through some of those moments chronologically and tonight and just talk through them and I think you'll be I genuinely think you'd be pleasantly surprised about how much rich wrestling history has taken place. I tell you what, right? I tell you what, I will grant you because you, you said about 1990, didn't you? Yeah. I think 1990, well, famous for we mentioned it earlier on debut of the Undertaker and the Gobbledygooker. But yep. I think 1990 was that the year where all of the winners, yes, um, faced each other at the end so it was like Warrior Hogan and Santana versus yes Power and Glory and Million Dollar Man and who else ever was it I can't think who else uh, it was, but... Power and Glory the Warlord the Million Dollar Man and the model Rick Martel that's it yeah very good good knowledge um, but yeah so I remember I don't really remember that one that's before I started watching wrestling but I've gone obviously gone back and watched it um, and you know I quite like that little concept where people would you know uh, you know get onto a team at the end but I think, is that the only time they did it? It's the only time I can remember it being done. Yeah, it's the only time they did it, basically because Vince has got an idea that pay-per-views where you don't actually know the main event going in don't sell as well. I think that's why King of the Ring ultimately got nixed. Um, and we don't see any title tournaments, WF title tournaments on pay-per-view anymore for the same reason. But yeah, it was the only, it's the only time they did it. I've got really fond memories. In terms of out-and-out Survivor Series matches, it's probably my favourite Survivor Series pay-per-view, actually. Some absolutely classic teams in there. You've got... Um, you've, I think we mentioned it last week, uh, or you mentioned it, you've got the Warriors. Or, or, hang on, am I getting this confused? Maybe it was on a podcast I've listened to. But no, no, we, opening, did. We, talked, we talked about it, yeah. Did we talk about it? So you've got the yeah. opening match of... The Legion of Doom, the Ultimate Warrior, and the Texas Tornado against Demolition, Axe, Smash, and Crush, and Mr. Perfect. What a perfect, excuse the pun, what a perfect Survivor Series match that is. It just encapsulates everything. Then you've got the team that you spoke about um, that, went, that went on fully intact to the, uh, to the main event, the visionaries of the model Warlord and Power and Glory against, let me get this right, it was the Rockers... Uh, Jake Roberts and who was the fourth guy on that team? Jimmy Snooker. Jimmy Snooker. Jimmy Snooker. Jimmy Snooker. There you go. And they got whitewashed. Um, and I, to me, that's, that's just an absolute classic Survivor Series match, that one. Um, and then obviously, who's to forget the debut of Mr. Undertaker? Uh, indeed. And so that was... Um, I, I'm fairly certain... Um, the first oh I might get this not get this totally right but I think the first person Undertaker ever hooked mm. up with in a WWE ring was yeah Bret it Hart, was I bloody hell mate that's so bizarre I was just about to ask you that as a question mm. well you know just as, as a Brett fan I have a feeling that Taker may have thrown Brett out of the, the Rumble the following year as well I'm not that there's a, a little um, you know thing of their histories being sort of entwined where you don't really realise it but um I think the reason we brought that uh, those matches up last week is we were talking about some of the names. I think weren't we? We were talking about the uh, the, the names of, right. um, yeah. of the teams. That's where the, the Warriors came up and the the perfect team. But you particularly liked the visionaries. Oh, the visionaries, man! I just think, and I really miss Survivor Series teams in general. There were some there were some quality ones in those early days, but yeah, the visionaries is always the one that stands out to me. Nowadays, that well, would I just want team to, I... model. Well, very possibly, yeah. But this is, the reason I want to bring it up, right? 
we said we're not going to do too much modern current stuff today. Um, but you, you mentioned it to me on when we were just having our little chat before we went on air. I wanted to talk about it anyway. Um, so here we are. There's a, a very, very cool video being made. A sort of sort of black and white sort of sepia. Certainly some sort of Instagram filter, it looks like, of these two massive guys walking through the woods with their big jackets on, big beards. They look frightening oh and they God. talk to the camera. And they give you some real things and you think, oh my god, these two guys are absolutely going to destroy everyone. And they've got huge weapons, pardon pun. And here they come and they're smashing it towards the camera and you think, oh my god, there's a promo for the two baddest guys you've ever seen. I remember them from a while back and they were good. Now they're going to be even better. And now they're going to come at me with their brand new name. And Paul, their name is... The Bludgeon Brothers. The Bludgeon Brothers. I... I... Mate, I don't know where to start, <laughs> frankly. I, I, oh, wait, yes, I do. It's fucking ridiculous. But here's the, here's my big problem with it. Right? I, they're not brothers, right? They're not brothers in storyline. I understand it's brothers in armor sort of thing. But what do you mean, Bludgeon Brothers? Are they going to call them Luke Bludgeon and bloody oh, Eric Bludgeon? I think you're being a bit pedantic there, mate. I think I think you can call a team something brothers. It, it can be a nickname. I don't think it has to be completely practical. Yeah. Correct, correct. I agree with that. I'm being facetious. Bludgeon? Bl- bludgeon mm. Brothers, though. That's what they've decided on. I just think it's just... I, I laughed well, out loud when I heard that for the first my, time because I watched a promo of theirs and I didn't know what they were called oh there's Harper and Rowan I'm glad to see them back together I like them and they went the Bludgeon Brothers and I went no this is surely my bigger up. problem oh, is, no, that's is the gear called. that they're wearing that I've just sent you a photo of There's someone sent me a photo today of their in ring presumably one of the events in the UK this week and I, I just can't describe what they look like they look like they look like extras in a in a sort of in, <laughs> sorry they, just... they look like I don't know they look like background characters in a steampunk version of Little Red Riding Hood um, I just I can't tell you how fucking dreadful like Ro- alright Rowan's used to wearing a green overall and a sheet mask so doesn't really matter what he wears but Luke Harper is just dressed like a homeless matador I just I don't know, I don't know what to describe it as. I, I like the idea that someone's gone. Should we go for some sort of um, uh, sort of some sort of post-apocalyptic? I'm think I'm thinking Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome meets the Fifth <laughs> Element, and we can put in some some denim in there, and we can make it all maroon and sort of. Oh, I like all this. Anything else? Kick pads. Oh yeah, kick pads. Obviously. Um, it's, <laughs> That is out. That is outrageous. I mean, can you share that somewhere? I'll share People it. don't know the photo that we're talking I'll about. Share it. So if you if you don't know um you don't know what we're talking about, Paul will uh, will share that so you can go and have a look at uh, exactly what we're laughing at there. Anyway, we'll go back to talking other stuff. It was just Bludgeon Brothers was just something. New. In fact, actually, here's the thing, right? I've always wanted to call that you know certain things you have in your mind. Do you know the other week when I decided I had this brilliant idea for the. Uh, um, the intergender tournament. Oh yes. And I want oh, to yes. triple H. Just update on that, folks. I never wrote in in the end, but I'll, I will ask it if I will pitch it if someone um, brings Triple H to me. In fact, maybe Dean will tonight after they become buddies at the Brighton Centre. Um, but um, you know, every now and again you have this idea, and genuinely for years and years and years and years and years, I've had the idea that I, w- I would have a t- if I was running a promotion, I would have two big guys 
that smash everything up, very similar to these two, and I would call them Mountain Destruction. I just always thought that was a really cool name for a big bastard heel tag, Wanton Destruction. That's, that tells you exactly what they're about all the time, doesn't it? I, genuinely, I, I mean that as a real thing, and I, I think that's a good name. So that, that would be better than the fucking Bludgeon Brothers. But here's a, here's a question for you. When I used to use my little wrestling figures, and I was way older than I should have been when I was still using the wrestling figures and having my own little tournaments and stuff, um, which two of my figures did I put together as a tag team and call Wanton Destruction? Right. So, was it the original? Was it the original figures from the early nineties? Uh, yeah. Although I accumulated all sorts of stuff. Bear in mind, one of my longest reigning tag team champions um, were uh, Luigi and Mario. Right. Um, who would have? Who had great matches with um, Donatello and Splinter? I forget which way round. I forget whether no, no, not Splinter. Shredder. Do you beg your pardon? I forget. I think Donatello turned heel to be with the Shredder against the Turtles. And then the, uh, the storylines progressed, and they ended up being a babyface team. But they would fight Luigi and Mario all the time. So, you know, who, who can tell um, what happens in this world? Okay. I also had lots so of got, wrestling figures we're as well. And dinosaurs. We're wanton destruction, wrestling figures, or these are incomplete. Not wanton destruction. It's not a fucking Chinese <laughs> menu, my friend. Wanton. It means you know, depra- de- I know. You know cravenly bashing so, things up and so doing they wrestling? what your desires wish. Not. It's not a soup. It's not a Chinese soup we're talking about. Were they wrestling figures? Yeah, they were actually all genuine wrestling Okay, so I'm going to take an absolute stab in the dark at the Warlord and the Berserker. Oh, I tell you what, though. You've got, you've only gone and got one. Warlord is right. <laughs> I didn't have a Berserker figure. Didn't have a Berserker figure. And you've got two options here, because I had a tag team of two of them, and then one of them's, one of them's hand fell off. And so I replaced him with someone else. <laughs> um, okay. So, <laughs> one of the is the Warlord, and... Ooh, God. Um, my mind's gone blank. I don't want to waste too much podcast uh, time. Go on. All of this is just flooding, but the thing is, I'm just remembering all this. I haven't thought about this in like in ten years, and it's all flooding back to me. Basically, I had a nation of domination, right? But it wasn't it wasn't based off of them being, you know, black. Essentially, what the original nation of domination was. Mine was to do with them being something to do with war and fighting and things like that. So I had the Enforcer Arn Anderson was in it, and I had oh, the I Warlord, and I and I and I had the Mountie. So they were all to do with that kind of thing, and the boss man. I had all those kind of people in it, and I had Sergeant Slaughter. And when I broke up my um, uh, my uh, my Nation of Domination, the Warlord and Sergeant Slaughter splintered off and became Wanton Destruction. Brilliant. And then Sarge's arm fell off, and I replaced him with Sid Justice. <laughs> I should have guessed Sid. Uh, if I'd have thought of Sid, that would have been the guess. That I would have come to that straight away. No, it's bringing back great. I, I actually. Ha- I also, I also. This is my favourite bit. Is I had my own, my own name. I invented one, right? Because I had a Hulk Hogan, which was. Um, I don't know if you remember. There was ones where you just pull the arm back and yeah. it came back like a yeah. little spring, right? That was the Hogan I had. But then I, someone, I bought some figures off a mate who wasn't using them anymore because, frankly, he was growing up and I wasn't. Um, and I bought them off a mate, and that he had a Hogan, but it was the Hogan. It was actually a better Hogan. It was the one where the arms came out and kind of formed the. You know, form the sort of the yep, pose, yep. right? Um, 
So I had that one, but I already had a Hulk Hogan, and this was a better figure. So I, so I, I brought him in, and I called him Sid Mangler. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember. I still remember my. That Michael. was before I had a Sid Justice, so I, I didn't. I didn't have a, a Sid at that point. Sid Justice. So I, 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 I called Sid Mangler. <laughs> <laughs> I had my. Gr- I remember my greatest ever feud in the uh, Plastic Wrestling Federation was. Uh, I had, I had Rowdy Roddy Piper as the champion, um, and he got beaten, squashed by the newly debuting Yokozuna, managed by Ric Flair. I retired Ric Flair, by the way, because he was one of those old rigid WCW figures, which I didn't like, so I figured that was very old. And so Ric Flair became the manager of Yokozuna, who remained undefeated for about six genuine real months until he was beaten by the newly single Scott Steiner, <laughs> who became the champion of my federation. I feel like I was quite forward-thinking oh, with that. Yeah, okay. Well, well, no one cares about your bloody figures, Grant. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> talking about that nonsense, we've got some like, our proper old school stuff to talk about here, and there's you talking about that kind of nonsense. At least I was inventive enough to have Nintendo figures and turtles in mind, bloody hell. Anyway, and, uh, and dinosaurs. Oh, actually, I had a spaceman. Stop. I had a spa- Stop. I had a spaceman who was, like, much, much bigger than all the other, all the other wrestlers, but I would have him fight my Stretch Armstrong. In like a uh, in like a super heavyweight division. Okay. Should we stop? Should we stop? Yeah, now? yeah. We could, we could, we could go Should on. We stop all before night. we incriminate Let's ourselves. Go. We don't want to do anything more embarrassing. And the, the spaceman's theme tune was Spaceman by Babylon. Of course it was. Anyway, oh, um, what age were you playing with these things, Rob? When did that come out? 1995. Oh, so I'm 11. Oh, I played with oh, them way past okay. 11. That's fine. I was a right, I was a right sad bastard. I was probably doing this when I was about sixteen. <laughs> I was a ma- massively sad bastard. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I didn't take them to uni with me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair anyway, anyway, back to business. Um, okay, so you mentioned about um, the Undertaker debuting at uh, Survivor Series '90. By Survivor Series '91, he was having that, that match with uh, with uh, Hogan, so obviously his first year had gone terrifically. But I think what you were trying to say to me before we uh, really got into this topic was forget about some of the uh, the four on fours, the five on fives, the elimination elimination stuff. You're saying that some there's been some really cracking one on ones kind of hidden by the fact that everyone talks about the elimination matches. Is that what you were getting? Yeah, at? yeah. So some some good matches, but also some history, like like you mentioned, the Undertaker against Hulk Hogan historic for a lot of ways for, for starters that was the first ever singles match at Survivor Series um, it was Undertaker's first um, title win sorry for, uh, yeah, it was his first title win um, I'm not sure about in, uh, Hogan. when was Hogan pinned previous oh he was pinned by the Warriors so that's fine no it was you know pinned it was Warrior, it yeah. was um, his last title win apart from that stupid one at the 1993 um, the 1993 Wrestlemania uh, Wrestlemania 9 Um, it was a a big moment all in all it was a big pivotal moment for The Undertaker it was kind of the the arrival of Ric Flair in the main events Um, there was a lot lot to be at especially that was I loved that survival as well when you had the 4 on 4 match open the show so it was um, Flair the Mountie um the Warlord, I think, um, can't remember, uh, and DiBiase against Bulldog, Brett, Piper, and Virgil, and basically it ended up with a mass brawl 
with everyone being disqualified who was involved in the mass brawl apart from the only man who was cowering outside of the brawl was Ric Flair became the sole survivor by sheer cowardice and I thought <laughs> I thought that was absolutely brilliant use of Flair I don't remember that at all That's, that rings zero bells with me very right? good match very good match while it lasted bit of a hokey finish because of that but so fitting for Flair um, that he wins it by cowering away from a giant brawl um well, well, you know, so that's Fire Series 91 is well worth a watch. And then 1992, um, less so, to be to be completely fair. Um, it's, you know, it's it's not a stellar match. It's got a good but not great Bret Hart against Shawn Michaels main event. It's got uh, an interesting Flair, Flair and Razor Ron against Savage and Mr. Perfect tag team match. Made interesting by that fact that it was perfect, Mr. Perfect's face turn for the first time. Um, after Warrior got fired and they had to replace him on the team not a good match but I remember being absolutely beside myself with excitement at the thought of a face Mr. Perfect tag team and wearing Randy Savage that was when face turns really really meant something and heel turns that was that was cool um, Kamala against The Undertaker in the coffin match no coffin not casket match um, and a dreadful 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 Nails versus the Big Boss Man nightstick match <laughs> Nails in a terrible I know, match. I know. So, 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 that was, so that was that was clearly one of his. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have yeah. thunk it? And then you can you could sort of fast forward through '93 and '94 a little bit. Although Matt Barber on the uh, one of our uh, regular contributors on our page, when I asked about Survivor Series moments, mentioned uh, the four doinks against Bastian Booger, um, the Head Shrinkers, and Bam Bam Bigelow at Survivor Series '94. Matt. All I can say is I like you every time I've met you, but that is a horrendous, horrendous Survivor Series memory, and I would like you request you sear it from your memory for your own good. Um, so yeah, not not much to say in the mid '90s. It really dipped down, but then you really comes into its own again. Um, funnily enough, with Survivor Series 1997. Well, before we get, I mean, we can. You suddenly. Oh, I've gone past '96. Well, you have, but you've gone past 95 as well. You've gone whooshing through history. But what I was going to say was that that 92 one that you're talking about is that it's kind of... Um, that's the first time that they basically did away with the Survivor Series concept, you know, almost completely, wasn't it? It was just there was the Nasty Boys and the Natural Disasters against Money, Inc. and the Beverly Brothers. But that was just kind of like an eight-man tag. I mean, it was a it was an elimination match, but it was, you know, there was nothing to write home about. It was just... You know, four tag teams doing a match. It wasn't like it was all these individuals coming together like had been on previous Survivor Series. So, you know, there's often talk that Vince didn't, you know, care for Survivor Series from quite an early point, and this kind of feels like the first one where he went away from it. Although he was dragged back in because once you get to '93, um, that's when you're getting your four doinks, isn't it? In '93, and you had well, '93 uh, um, wasn't uh, was four doinks '93. I thought it was '94. Four. No, it's not. It's ninety-three. Okay, fair, fair enough. Certain. It's, fairly, it's not fairly certain it's Wait. ninety-three because that's when you've got the uh, you got the hearts against the knights, haven't you? In that yes, one, it was meant to be king, yes, and ended up being right. Sean. That's right. Um, and you and you got the all Americans and the foreign fanatics. That's that one. Yeah, so, and you also got yeah, the, the, you that. also got the uh, per, you got the Savage Razor Kid and Genetti team in the opening match, which was pretty damn cool. I against IRS, um, Adam Bomb. Uh, Diesel and the model. Very good. Yeah, so that's um, you know, that's that's obvious. So they went basically straight back to. Yes. I don't you know, I don't think there was there's no singles match on that show, so they kind of immediately abandoned the uh, what they did in '92 
you know, changed it again. Uh, and then in '94, uh, you've kind of got the the mix, haven't you? Because you've got the you've got the set of the those tag team matches um, going on. That's where you've got the the, the clowns against the uh, the kings and that kind of thing. But also some other you know wrestlers in there. Did they did they do some well, did they do some sort of Diesel and Sean? Did they tease a breakup? Of Diesel they and did. Sean? Well, they didn't just tease it. They did it. It was, uh, was, that when it they was did the it, yeah? Teamsters, weren't they? It was uh, it was Sean Diesel, Jeff. Jarrett was on the team. Um, yeah, and Owen, Owen, and Anvil. Owen and Anvil. Yeah, oh yeah, because they went back to five-man teams for this one, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. I much prefer the fours, actually. I don't know why, but I always prefer the four-man teams. Um, yeah, and they they did the breakup right there, and then they did the uh, Owen, sorry, the Brett Backlund title change on the same night, yes. and then Diesel promptly went and won the title from Backlund a couple of days later. Uh, yeah, in, in in MSG. So you had the, um, and then of course you had Taker and Yoko with with Chuck Norris. So it was what you're saying about the, um, you know, the Vince's, you know, thing about having a main event that people want to see. I think there was very much a, you know, a world title match with Brett plus a big, you know, comeback. Well, not comeback, but um, Undertaker because of the comeback at, at SummerSlam. But um, you know, the big, you know, real revenge on on Yoko yeah. sort of thing, and plus the. Uh, the, the the Norris edition. So I think '94 for that one is is your is your real you know hybrid. I think that's the you know what you can say that it feels like the the combination Survivor Series. What Survivor Series became for a few years, you know that combination of the the tag matches plus the the big individual you know singles efforts. Well, there's a reason I want to stick on on 1995 because I'm. You know, when people talk about a little sort of hidden classic every now and again, you know, every now and again there's a match that you've forgotten about. And there's been times where we were doing our WrestleMania mixtape, where we were doing our, some of our best of times, worst of times um, episodes, um, and we've talked about a match one that you've forgotten. Here's a match from this wrestler that you've forgotten. And I think that you know, people will dismiss Kevin Nash's career in some ways and praise it in others. And whether he gets praise, it'll be for his you know, business acumen and it'll be for, you know, instigating part of the NWO and where he gets stick, it'll be for sort of politicking and not necessarily being a very good wrestler and being a bit injury prone and, and all that. But, you know, there's a little hidden gem in Survivor Series 1995, which I think is easily the best match in Nash's career. Oh, yes. Against Bret yeah, Hart. you're right. You know. It is an absolute quality wrestling match. It really is. It is right up there. And I'm a big Bret fan and I will easily give you you know, reel off a whole bunch of Bret Hart matches that are terrific, but his match with—I mean, Bret had some good matches with Taker, but I would suggest that I think this match with Diesel is better than any match Bret ever had with Undertaker. I—I I love this match. It's got absolutely terrific psychology. Um, it's a really good call as well. Perfect is on the um, announced team for this, as I recall, and Perfect really does a good job. This is a babyface match, and he's a heel commentator. But he does a brilliant job of going as a straight man and calling this match. Um, it's just an absolute cracker. And you know, if we're doing some, you know, go back and watch stuff, as you just said, you know, go back and watch Survivor Series 1991. Did you recommend was a good little one? Yep. I'm saying that if you go back and watch 1995, you know, don't worry about Gold Dust wrestling Bam Bam Bigelow. Don't worry with yourself with the uh, um, whatever else was on there. I seem to remember Undertaker basically beating a team by himself and then. King Mabel running away, um, you know. Don't worry yourself with things like that. But you know, go and watch Brett and Diesel. It's an absolute barn burner. 
Fair dues. Well, I'm glad you dragged me back to these, actually, mate. Well, I didn't want you to go uh, running away. Oh, you see, that's the same match. That's the same Survivor Series as the match that I mentioned last week, which I kind of oh, the liked, wild card which, match, which is the um, the wild card elimination mm. match. Which um, actually, I'm a bit of a hypocrite, aren't I? Because I'll talk about the fact that um, I don't particularly like the Raw v SmackDown concept because I don't think it gives enough. I don't think people have enough brand loyalty. I don't think people are a Raw fan or a SmackDown no. fan. Um, so if you end up having you know, at the moment, the only people I know that are in matches at the moment are, I know that Team Smackdown has got um, Rude is it Rude Nakamura and Orton's on Team Smackdown, so it's like they're all baby faces. So, yes. You know, whether or not they're going to stack Raw's team with some heels, I don't know, to make it well, a heel versus babyface match. But... I've actually seen the <clears throat> what the Raw team's going to be, and I won't reveal it here for anybody who doesn't want to know, but I'll tell you off, off air, Rob. And in my opinion, it's the greatest Survivor Series team there has ever been. Wow! Mm. What a what a what a, sta- what a statement that yep. is. Um, okay, more on that later. Um, but let's let, let, okay, let's carry on our little um, whisk through history. You um, you had got yourself onto 1997. What well, was, I did I did I did backtrack a bit to 96, which is also a very interesting Survivor Series for a couple of reasons. Um, not least the debut of Rocky Maivia, the Blue Chipper, Indeed. the stud. Um, he's he's there in the opening match as the sole survivor. Um, then some re- a couple of really interesting main events in that you've got um, Steve Austin uh, in really his biggest high-profile match to date. Yeah. Um, in fact, his first real high-profile match and what a doozery it was against Bret Hart. It was his, it was Bret's first televised match since he lost the title at WrestleMania 12 in the Iron Man match and he came back um, and really even by defeating Austin really put the guy over um, as a main event level talent you don't have to you don't have to go over to get absolutely, over absolutely that not and that's a prime example of exactly that adage um, and then one of my sort of guilty pleasures is the main event where you've got uh, Sid against the champion Shawn Michaels um, ultimately it's a babyface versus babyface match but the crowd can't, Sid kind of acts well, heel well it is going in yeah. they were both babyface no, it's not supposed to be no well, they were. I disagree no, I don't, they were. It, Sid, is, Sid, is, Sid is supposed to be a heel uh, people just have People just happen to cheer him. No, no, no. I think you you may be misremembering that. Going in, he it's a it's absolutely a face versus face match. Remember, he beat Vader to qualify as number one contender just the month before, and they were they were you know they're on screen. Sid and Shawn Michaels at that point were on friendly terms. Um, it was only during the match that Sid turned heel, and like you quite rightly say, the crowd shat on that and cheered him anyway. Because it was an MSG crowd, they were sick of Shawn Michaels, and um, and it and it transpired that they wanted Sid to win, and thus he did with the uh, the camera shot. And I just thought, you know, to me it's a guilty pleasure because I I think Sid gets a lot of undue stick as a worker, um, particularly around this time. I think he's in terms of aura and presence and the believability and 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 sort of presence of that character. I don't think there's been that many better big men. Um, in history in terms of actually embodying what it means to be a big scary wrestler and I just think Sid had had that presence and that sort of physical charisma in spades and I, I thought this was his moment where he harnessed Agreed. that Agreed um, but let's um, let's just call Bruce in shall we and then No yeah then the bell rang right. no. and, the, and then the bell rang it, 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 there's no way Sid is 
in any way up near a, any sort of top list in terms of actual workers. I absolutely agree with you in terms of his aura. I thought it was a better promo than people gave him credit for. Um, he was very good as, as Sean's, you know, I would argue that he was actually a better bodyguard than Diesel was. Um, but... I'm... No, as a as a as a wrestler, no, I'm not. I I can't have. I'll give you. I'll give you Ryback ahead of him, and you know what I think of him. (laughs) No, obviously, you you can rate a wrestler in many different ways. And if we're just talking about his skills as a technical wrestler, then of course he's a million miles off being proficient. But to me, that's not what it's about. What it's about to me, especially in that era, was about did a character entertain you? Did he make you watch the TV? Yes and yes in Sid's case. There weren't many matches that Sid had back in the day that I wanted to actively turn off. He was a very, very um, attractive presence in terms of bringing in, bringing in that interest. I was always interested in what Sid was doing and he always captivated me. And that is what I, I deem the true mark of a good worker. And I would, back in there, I would have rather watched a Sid match uh, that was well built and had the psychology and charisma that that it had rather than watching say Doug Furness and Phil Lafon um, put on a 20 minute tag team match with no real heat obviously I'm not being fair because you could well have a 20 minute tag team match that was really built well etc but yeah I'm just, I just don't buy into the old the, buy into that thing that work rate is the only thing that matters in making a good wrestler was Sid one of the all time greats of course not but he was always enjoyable okay to you um, fine I, I will, I'll give you a halfway house there I think um, a lot of what you're saying was, was true I just if he was anyway you know anyway even slightly better than he was it'd have been so much more credible and he'd have been a big time star for years but there's a reason why he was always having short lived little bursts because he'd have a short lived burst and then people would go oh actually he's not that credible is he and he'd disappear and then people would go oh we need someone to fit in here oh let's try Sid and so there was a reason why he was always flitting from back from company to company and just never had that run you know you know, I've ta- we've taken a little bit of the mick about you know about Kane just lately, you know, you know, that fat Kane has returned to, you know, obliterate Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Mm. But, you know, at least with fat Kane, you know, Kane has been a, you know, a staple for many years and has been loyal, has been reliable and has been believable. And, you know, if, if Sid had any sort of, you know, if Sid had three quarters of the amount of Glenn Jacobs ability in the ring, then he'd have been a massive, massive superstar. One of the biggest ever. But he just didn't. I once heard I once heard Sid's punches described as like a cat batting away a ball of yarn, and it's a, a little bit that's that's not a bad shout. It was the least effective looking punches, and I think that's just one of his issues. And you know, much the same thing could be said about you know not as big as Sid, but much the same thing could be said about Luger. Was that Luger always looked a million dollars? You know, matinee idol looks and the bodybuilder's physique and and whatever. But when Luger would throw terrible punches and then oversell and you know just it was never ever believable and I would put Luger and Sid in very much the same bracket fair enough in my opinion um, what I will say about that um, uh, that show as well 1996 MSG um, whatever people tell you about certain educated wrestling crowds um, that is a wrestling crowd that thought Sid was better than Shawn Michaels and booed The Rock <laughs> right go figure fuck MSG they don't know what they're talking about okay so um, bollocks I believe it was also the last WWE pay-per-view match for 
both Superfly Jimmy Snooker and uh, Yokozuna. Uh, well, not Snooker because Snooker came back oh, another. Oh, didn't he? He did. Survivor Series later on and worked a Rumble and was in the match at. Uh, of course he was. Of course he was. But certainly Yokozuna. Yoko, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about definitely because I, I think he. Oh, it was. I don't know. He was gone soon. I after think this. he might. I think he might have been on a free for all or something in the following year, but I think I want to say when, he, when did he have that match with Austin where he pulled the top? That was SummerSlam off? 2000. Uh, SummerSlam 96. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. that was before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you, you're probably you're probably right then. You're probably right. Did anything, did okay, anything, on you anything go, of note happen, happen at SummerSlam 97? There was that awesome. Uh, oh, there was crikey, an awesome uh, DOA match, but I don't think there was much else. Um, so should we go on to 98? Was there? You mentioned um, you mentioned uh, Phil Lafon and Doug Furness, they, didn't you? They, they were on there. Oh, there. Kane's debut. Were, Kane's, Kane's they were in there. Debut, Owen's yeah. corner. Um, took on Mankind. Yep, Kane's first match. Yeah. Um, Steve Austin won. Truth Commission. Truth Commission were on that show, weren't uh, they? They were. The 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 mighty Truth Commission. But that's yeah. Um, yeah I think that, we've probably covered it there, mate, haven't we? Yeah, moving, okay, on. moving um, on. Oh, hang yes, on, hang on, hang yeah. on. There was that. That we've forgotten something. Oh, when um, oh that terrible, awful miscarriage of justice when the uh, the Godwin screwed the black. I think it was actually when Brett screwed Brett. Uh, no, I don't recall it that way. It's more, I seem to remember it was when uh, Vince screwed Brett. But um, it's just funny, funny how people remember things in there. In different ways, eh? <laughs> well, anyway, we don't need to recap that. In all seriousness, it's, it's probably the most talked about subject in WWE history. Certainly nothing you and I can add to that conversation. Um, so... uh, oh, I can I can try. Um, when people say that it's the moment when uh, the Mr. McMahon character was born and it's when he was outed as the owner of the company and that kind of thing, uh, absolute horseshit. Um, because do you know who was the first character to come out and start doing the whole... Mr. McMahon's the owner and all that kind of stuff. Go on. Do you know, Jim Ross, heel Jim Ross, in the back end of 1996, when he introduced the fake Diesel, the fake Razor, uh-huh. that whole ang- that whole angle was full of inside references of Jr. calling Vince the owner and doing all that kind that of right. stuff. That is, oh yes, way way before 1997 Survivor Series, a full year. JR was doing all that. Now, admittedly, it wasn't heel Vince, but it was certainly when he was called out as being the owner. And from then on, think about think about the um, the Rumble in 1997 when Brett wins, but he doesn't win because of Austin's cheating. What does Brett do? Goes over to Vince and tells him that he can change it. There were lots of references throughout 1997 um, where the um, the references were there to Vince being the uh, the boss. Heck, I think when did when did Steve Austin stun Vince for the first time? It was, I believe, it was before Survivor Series '97. Before Survivor yeah. Series, because that was in MSG. That was before Survivor Series, because that's before. Because you're not long after Survivor Series as you're going to the Rumble the following year with the Tyson stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, loads of Vince got stunned by Austin before he screwed Brett. So. Yeah true it's it's just not, it's just not true it was a big catalyst and it worked in that that whole interview Brett screwed Brett which was actually kind of Vince being Vince but you know the, the crossover of Mr. McMahon coming would it out. be fair to say but, it was uh, the moment not that created the character but maybe the moment that turned him heel yeah yeah very much so I agree I would agree with that yeah definitely and it's the you know it's a little bit like saying 
that people always talk about Austin 316 being Austin's breakout moment. Nope. I'd say it's the moment where the fans got behind him and it's the moment where you kind of knew he was going to be someone and the Austin 316 signs were out and the t-shirt started following. The next pay-per-view after that, I don't think he was nope. on. And then the next pay-per-view after that, he's wrestling Savio Vega and it's like, Austin wasn't Austin until what we were just talking about. 96 Survivor Series. That's when they let him do the whole Brett stuff. Austin got himself over on his own, talking about Brett not being yep. there. Then Brett came back, and Brett helped him a, a million times, because Brett said, I've come back to accept the challenge of the best wrestler in the, in the company. So Brett put the guy over. Did you see Heyman's promo on, on Raw the other week? When Heyman said, he actually did that kind of cross-the-line shoot um, promo where he says, oh, people come out here and they slag off their opponents. Yes. But actually, I came out here and I said Samoa Joe's great and I said something Braun Strowman's great. You know, and it led him into slagging off Jinder Mahal. But, um, you know, Brett very much got down that whole, I'm not going to slag off my opponent. He came back and went, Austin's the best. And then he beat him. So, you know, that's perfect Everyone psychology. Because you say someone's the best and then you beat yeah. them. You know, it's like, you know, if Tottenham this week, I'm going to do it, folks. If Tottenham this week is, you know, spend all week saying how terrible Real Madrid have got, when they beat them 3-1, it doesn't mean anything. But if you make Real Madrid look like the biggest deal on earth, which they practically are, and then you beat them, and then you say it's the best result in Tottenham's history, got a fair point, haven't you? So I agree. It's, you know, it works, it can work in real sport as well. And we all saw what happened with the, the whole Mayweather-McGregor stuff and, and whatnot. So it's, um, it, you know, it works in, in real life. So it's... Uh, Fair play, but yeah, that's um. So we go past ninety-seven, um, and it takes us to ninety-eight, where there's a, I would say, um, you know, a very very different feel to the whole thing. But the uh, deadly game. At this, the deadly game, and it's the tournament, and it's lots of short matches and lots of forgettable stuff. The whole show is really one big angle, but this is the first point where you get into that modern era. I would argue that even though it's nineteen ninety-eight, and it's nineteen years ago. Think of, I'm going to have a look at the first Survivor Series, which is what, 80, 88? 88. Uh, 87, actually, 87. We'll go back, okay, we'll do the first 11 years then of 87 to 97 and see how much it changed. It changes bundles between, say, 87 and 90, and then 90 and 94, and 94 yep. and 97. And go and have a look at 98 and now. Not that different. We've, in terms of production and you know the way things were done, not a lot has massively changed since the Attitude Era in mm. terms of the set and just the production. Just little subtle things and every things that you can go. But given that it's a 20-year period, basically, things haven't changed much. Oh, I agree with you. And things slow slow down in a in a path of change. I agree. But what I would say about the show, um, and this is, I, I'm not even sort of. Not even having any doubt saying this, I think as an individual show, there's never been a better booked show from top to bottom that WWE have put on, ever. Um, the wrestling was nothing to write home about throughout the night, like you say, but every single part, more or less, of this show played in to the greater story in one way or another. And when it got to that big conclusion, and we see The Rock crown the champion, the, be the beauty of it is, is that nobody saw it coming, Yet you watch that show again and all the clues are there from the very start. It all plays. Yeah. All right, Lloyd. Oh, Grossman. it's so good, honestly. Like every, you know, it's, it's, you just don't see shows booked like that anymore. The fans were brought on that ride exactly how 
WWF and the writers wanted us to be. And then when we got to that finale, uh, the Rock versus Mankind match, not one single person saw what in hindsight was the most obvious outcome in the world. Um, and they'd built it before then. They'd built the Rock as this baby face who's fairly recently turned he'd become a very hot baby face plowing his way through the survivor series you've got lovable mankind as the corporate puppet um getting easy path to the finals he's got referees turning on austin to aid him the rock the best one i remember is where the rock uh, the boss man accidentally overshot throwing the nightstick to ken shamrock and it landed in the rock's hands and then he nailed shamrock with it and won the match and it's like oh the boss man screwed up there but then nope he didn't it was part of the corporate plan all along it was just it was just genius booking not like I say nothing memorable in the ring at all all night but such a good story throughout the show and what heat that was at the end with the rock winning uh, screwing mankind and turning heel amazing uh, yeah it, it was I'm not I'm going to take I'm going to take a little bit of issue with your it's the greatest book show of all time hyperbole but um, I certainly won't disagree with you in terms of it's a really it's really strong and it's right up there with any sort of um, can you name one more any sort of no I can't no not off the top of my head I can't but I'm sure I could sit through and, and you know work something out but it's but it's certainly a very very you know strong example of you know a single issue pay-per-view in which you built to a you know a, a dramatic conclusion and of course they played off of the the Montreal thing from the previous year, didn't they? With the uh, with the whole finish, and um, you know, that's when the you know the Rock was really off to the races. I suppose at, at this point was um, you know he'd had his you know his babyface run coming off the back of the um, um, the nation, but this was you know the full corporate Rock heel, and then you know this was really the heel run that made him. And by the end of this heel run, they were so begging for him to be a babyface, and then. Once he did turn, you know, in 99, you probably had, I think, Rock between when he turned in 99 and then probably to about the midpoint of 2000 is probably the nearest the Rock gets to to rival in the height of Austin, would you say? I would say so, absolutely. I think if Austin was, you know, is, is termed as 100 in terms of how people were behind him as a baby face in, say, 98 when he was up against Vince... I'd say Rock at the back end of 99 into 2000 is, if if Austin was 100, then Rock's 99.3. Yep. He was he was very very close behind him. I'd still argue Austin was bigger overall and for a longer period of time, but man alive was Rock a you know a, a hugely hugely over man at uh, uh, at that point. Um, and he's in the main event of the following year as well. Um, is, would you say the Survivor Series the uh, the following year, probably the most famous thing coming out of that was the uh, was the Steve Austin getting run over. Yeah, do you know what? I just watched this yesterday. Actually, I watched the whole show. Um, pretty poor show overall, and and quite a quite a crooked show actually. You know, because they know that Steve Austin is not going to be performing at this show weeks in advance, but they promote him in the main event until halfway through the show. So they've got your buys, they've got your money. Um, for what is, you know, you think about the era, late 99, a triple threat match between 
Triple H, The Rock, and Steve Austin. It's about as big a match as you could possibly have. Um, and yeah. it, no, it, possibly the biggest match in WWE history, if it was built correctly. It never was, but it could have been. And we never got the match at all. Um, so to take that match away so cynically, knowing that that wasn't going to happen, and letting everyone buy the pay-per-view is one of the most crooked pay-per-view, one of the most crooked um, tactics that WWE's ever used to, um, to make money. So shame on them for that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was obviously that was the big story coming out. Big Show winning his first world title in the main event. Um, there's not genuinely not a lot else to say about that show, to be honest. No, not massively. And everything that kind of came from that kind of paid off the following year. Because as I recall, it was Austin versus Triple H and Rock versus. Rik- I did it for you. That's Rock. right. Rock versus Rikishi. So that was it. Kind of took almost a year for it to all to you know to play out um, funny enough you just said about how you watched the 99 Survivor Series just yesterday um, in my little um, you know go through from uh, Raw's all the way through, when I first got the network I started watching Raw from the start and intermittently have watched things here and there and actually I've had a bit of a spurt just lately and I've um, I've got myself into 2000 I'm just coming up to the Rumble 2000 so I'm not long past um, Survivor Series 99 so I have watched that reasonably recently but what I what I am I've always uh Amused by little things that you forget over time. So, when people had a different music for about three weeks, or a, you know, a short-term, you know, gimmick name, or that we got turned, you know, changed quickly and, and you know, quickly forgotten about those sorts of things. But um, too cool of not long, you know, debuted, and the whole too cool thing was was a heel. It's actually not dissimilar from the, the opposite of the new day, mm. in the sense that, you know, they was they were a team that were meant to be. Um, I think meant to be baby faces that got booed and then they were so stupidly over the top as heels and being made to look like idiots they got cheered for being so over the top um, but, but it's silence it's crickets to begin with and then they start to get over a bit more and then Rikishi joins them and it starts to go but there's a brilliant moment on Smackdown where um, Scotty does that move that we all know where he sort of slides down his body and lifts himself back up and whatever the worm and uh, well King says um, he's doing the centipede, <laughs> and Michael Cole goes, "No, King, it's not the centipede, it's the caterpillar." Oh my lord! And King goes, "Oh yeah, that's right, the caterpillar." And then about a few days later on Raw, Jim Ross goes, "He he's doing the caterpillar." Starting to argue with a caterpillar, they call it the caterpillar for like three weeks. Like I know that's generally what it would be called, isn't it? On a dance floor, I'm not a big break. I have no idea. But I, I think you would refer to it as a caterpillar, um, as a dance thing anyway. But yeah, but King calls it centipede, and then Michael Cole corrects him and says he says caterpillar. And then, a, and then a couple of weeks later, King goes, you know, I had a worm with Scotty, and he told me it's called the worm. <laughs> and, it's like, and from then on, they go, okay, it's the worm. Then, but it's it's fabulous that they just it's not the worm to begin with. It's something completely different. Anyway, useless little bit of trivia, but it, I thought it was hilarious when I heard them have that little. Thanks change. for that. I appreciate it. So, where do we take on from there? Well, I think um, even though both you and I adore the year 2000 for um, for wrestling, I think we can probably agree that the Survivor Series 2000 is a bit of a... It's probably the weakest pay-per-view of the year, or do one you, of them anyway. I don't think do it's you know a... what the most notable thing about the Survivor Series is in 2000? Go on. Undertaker's Trousers. I don't recall. I know he wrestled. I know he wrestled Kurt Angle. He, I know this should be a better. I know it should be a better pay per view than it actually is when you look at the card. Undertaker wrestled but, um, this match in 
what looked like latex shiny leopard print trousers. I, no, you have to go back. Whatsoever. You have to go back and have a look at these pants. They are absolutely okay. hilarious. Okay, at some point I will uh, have a look, as you point out, at Undertaker's pants. It feels like a hashtag. <laughs> hashtag take a pants at, uh, at that particular Survivor series. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, I don't really have anything from that one. So it, it takes on the 2001, which is obviously the the whole um, the whole Alliance thing coming to a head. That, that's true. Um, so this one was, well, nothing short of historic, this Survivor series, wasn't it? Um, one... And that's what we kind of started off talking about, wasn't it? The, uh, the historic moments of Survivor series as opposed to you know, best match quality and, and that kind of thing. So one, you know, this has to has to be considered the biggest Survivor Series, doesn't uh, it? I would say it's it's up there. Um, uh, the the f- final match. What did they call it? The uh, winner takes all, or something like that. Yeah, essentially, it was um, Team WWF versus the Alliance for yeah for control of the company, yep. wasn't it? So, and as we as we mentioned the other week, the big. WCW invasion that had one WCW guy in the main event <laughs> but regardless it was an absolutely tremendous match with real stakes it really you know despite the fact that the event the uh, invasion was quite bungled it really did feel like a match that mattered um, I thought it was a super match and some other good match on the cards as well you got the Hardys against the Dudleys in a very good table match uh, no sorry I correct myself a cage match Cage match. Um, you had uh, Edge versus Test. Yeah, because Test then comes out and wins the Battle Royal for uh, immunity. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, obviously the story of this whole pay per view is the main event, and it was a absolutely stonkingly good one. Uh, it, it really was, and obviously my issue, as I talked about earlier on, was the uh, low stakes. Uh, nature of Survivor Series. Well, if you're throwing yourself into the uh, into the storyline, then this one could um, could hardly be bigger, could it? So um, uh, fair enough on the on that front. Certainly couldn't uh, couldn't knock that one. But I have to say, from there, um, I start to become sketchy about Survivor Series because I think Survivor Series starts to now become, from this point, I mean, we can go we can go as we go along, you know, one one by one, and we'll go, oh yeah. Because already I've just I'm now on I've just realised I don't know why I'm trying to remember all this shit when I can actually just look it up on my computer. <laughs> so I've, ne- I've in the last couple of Survivor Series we've been talking about I've had it up on the on the screen. I haven't I'm resorted to Wikipedia yet, which is unusual for me. Well, I I have and I'm now flicking through only since the last couple. Well, I'm now flicking through. So I've got to 2002 and I'm now going oh yeah oh yeah. But it it it's kind of my point is that Survivor Series lost its identity. It stopped it stopped being the elimination show and it just started to be well Survivor um, you know another show yeah Survivor Series 2002 only had one elimination match on if I remember rightly and it was a three on three rather than a four on four or five on five it was the opening match wasn't it it was the Bubba Spike Dudley and Jeff Hardy against uh, was it three minute warning and Rico yeah top to bottom this was an amazing show like I, I would say top to bottom the best Survivor Series in actual fact uh, it, certainly lo- it certainly looks like it I'm just looking at it now going oh I remember that that was great oh I remember that that was great it, oh wow everything about show. it was spectacular that match that I've just mentioned was very good and it was cut, capped off by the um, the Dudley boys reuniting Devon came out for the save you got the first ever elimination chamber match which was 
arguably the best Elimination Chamber match with Shawn Michaels winning that title on uh, on a great feel-good moment. Lesnar losing the title really to terrific. Big Show with Heyman turning on Lesnar. Uh, you've yeah. got a brilliant women's match with Trish against Victoria. Uh, and, you, and you've not even said the Guerreros against Benoit and Angle and Edge of Mysterio. I mean, man alive. Talk about six talents. Absolutely. One of the greatest tag team feuds of all time. And then you've got the WWE debut of Big Papa Pub Scott Steiner as well, where he get where he uttered the immortal words, "Give me the fucking mic," live on pay per view. And if you don't remember this, Rob, I know it sounds a bit facetious me talking about talking about the debut of Scott Steiner, but you listen to that pop when the siren goes off and you hear "Holler if you hear me." It is one of the all-time loudest Madison Square Garden uh, ovations I have ever heard. No, I, I do remember it. I do remember it, and it's um, I'd really like to um, you know, we we often talk about uh, Bru- you know, Bruce and Conrad's podcast. Obviously, we've worked with them, um, Bruce, doing our uh, shows over here this year, and um, you know, we're by no means affiliated to them anymore. But um, you know, obviously, being you're both still fans of the podcast, uh-huh. and I imagine that most people that listen to this are still um, ap- you know, avid fans of something to wrestle with. It's always notable to me that they've never really gone anywhere near the alliance. They've never really gone anywhere near the invasion. Um, and I'm fairly confident Bruce was still there at that yep. point. But no, I'd, I'd like to hear sort of a, a double podcast. One be the whole invasion angle, and then the next one be the guys that ended up coming in. Mm. You know, so I, I know they've done the NWO, but do a show on how Steiner came in, how Goldberg came in, how Rey Mysterio yeah, came in. Yeah, that'd be a in, good shout. How Bischoff came. Oh, they might have done Bischoff actually, have they? Maybe. Um, They've done, they've done Bischoff but um, it would be a really fascinating because that's the whole thing isn't it about that I mean it's understandable what with the uh, the AOL contracts and whatnot. but the very fact that the imagine if WWF had just gone right bollocks let's give so much money to some of these WCW guys and we're not, it's not guaranteed it would have worked but had it been the NWO and Steiner and Flair and Goldberg and Mysterio you know, and Disco Inferno. <laughs> uh, but do you know it what I mean? Been, if, it, if it had been all of the stars or many of the stars, it would have been... It would have been know, amazing. Unbelievable. It would have been amazing. It really but would just have just to been. play devil's advocate one second, you remember, they didn't do that. They splurged on a lower-level WCW talent, and yet they still made an absolute killing financially on that, um, on that invasion angle. Despite the quality, and yeah. there wasn't much... They made a killing. The invasion pay-per-view itself was one of the biggest pay-per-views of all time in terms of buy rate. Correct. Now, Absolutely if you'd right. have done that, what you suggest, it would have made great TV, but then what? What brings you through the next three years? Instead, they've got all these guys, the NWO, Goldberg, Flair, Mysterio, that they can drip-feed into the promotion, Steiner, Bischoff, over the next year, two years. And Reasonable point. And they got, they got the kick yeah. in financially from all of those. So whilst I too would have loved to have seen them bring the full, all guns to bear for the invasion, financially, I, I could make a very good case that it was the right thing to do. Possibly. But had they brought in all those big stars, then they may have done what they wanted to do in the first place, which was create the and new And that WCW could have been a complete brand. game changer again. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. And then that could have been a huge success, and then you could have had two brands, and they could have done it forever, and they could have Correct. continued the two brands. And then you could be having these Survivor Series where you weren't doing Raw versus SmackDown, but you were doing WCW versus WWF, and it can still you're be working. Right. Hey, listen, there's no point having these conversations because it's so pie in the sky. You know, no. 
it's all, it's up it's up there with you know what if Gaza had gone to Man United and not so, Tottenham and various other sort of topics like that. Just but, to go um, back to two thousand two for for a second, yes. yeah, I would say um, Survivor Series two thousand two, inarguably the best Survivor Series. You know, you look, you we just listed the card. I don't think you could possibly better that with a Survivor Series. And I'd go as far as to say that if you take Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, um, SummerSlam two thousand two. Each and every one of those is top five in their respective histories. Um, and in terms of the big four, 2002, hands down, far and away, not even close, the greatest year in pay-per-view history in terms of quality of pay-per-views. That's a real shout, isn't it? That's a real shout. It'd be hard to disagree. Yeah, I don't. That's, yeah, a very good. Exactly point. to the point where I don't even think there's a discussion to be had. I think. I think it's in terms of overall quality of those big four it's so so far ahead of any other year it, it any discussion would become would be redundant in my opinion well i mean it's always the, the point with that is it's, it's obviously down to the individual everything's always everything's always subjective so there'll be there'll be people that find it hard to look past um you know when they were a kid so if they were growing up in 1992 then 92 would be the greatest year because that's when they got into it I get it that and, and I have the same people in 92 myself you know there'll be certain there'll be certain things about various different years and there'll be probably more recent years where when in 20 years time when people are doing podcasts or whatever the, the equivalent is then hologram casts they'll be doing you know reviews of um 2014 or something and saying what an amazing year it was because you had this 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 and this things change and people's ideas are subjective but I think if you we're going to talk a little bit in a, in a, in a minute not very much we're just going to do one or two of the uh, the sheep quiz questions that uh, we talked about last week uh, to conclude this podcast um, but uh, you know if we were doing those type of things if we were to put the facts together for everybody and say study every year of, of professional wrestling and look at all of the um, the pay-per-views and then come to a qualitative decision on what you think is the best I think you're right. I think the the majority of people, when looking at it with a acute eye, would say 2001. You actually look. I'm not sure I would off the top of my head, you know. But when I actually study it, when I actually sort of start to think about what you were just saying, then yeah, SummerSlam 2002 in particular is a wonderful show. Absolutely wonderful show, and yeah, it's a uh, very very difficult to um to put any SummerSlam up against that one there's been some good SummerSlams but I would say that's right up there right up there yeah agreed so yeah um, moving on from 2002 that takes us to 2003 another one where very good sir where, thanks for that um, well you're right this this mm. doesn't feel um, much like a Survivor Series overall but there are two real highlights in terms of Survivor Series matches. There's two really good matches, actually. First of all, the one I would rank as the best individual Survivor Series match of all time. Won't go into it in too much detail because we did last week, but it was Team Bischoff against Team Austin, um, which I think, um, again, has the has the star power, it has the story, uh, it has the match quality, and it has the stakes to make it um, the best Survivor Series match of all time. thought it was very good. Um, we also got the opening match, which was... Um, Team, uh, what, what, I can't remember what they're called. Team Angle, was it Team Angle? Team Angle, Angle, Angle and Leslie. Yeah. So you got Angle, Benoit, Cena, Hardcore Holly, and Bradshaw against. And I bloody hell, I just reeled that off without looking at Wikipedia. I'm quite impressed with myself. And uh, it was against the team of monsters. If you remember, you got Lesnar, Big Show, 
Matt Morgan, Nathan Jones, and A Train. Um, yeah. And you know that that match really was designed to crown John Cena and um, ready Chris Benoit for his Royal Rumble win the following uh, the following January. And you look at it like that, and it was big time mission accomplished uh, on both counts. Yeah, I, I remember that as being an era that for me started to kill SmackDown. You know, with the big guys, I found that really tedious around that point where there was just big lumbering monsters I actually think Matt Morgan turned into a pretty decent wrestler in TNA but at this point I thought he was awful Nathan Jones is beyond terrible never liked A-Train you know Big Show is a, is a you know commodity that people can take or leave obviously Lesnar superstar but I found that a very so uh, maybe on one term it worked because I didn't like that team and I would have wanted them to get beat maybe it worked on that front but I found Smackdown kind of tedious at that point because it was just how many you know massive lumbering Lummoxes can we fit onto one show at the same time? But I will agree with your Bischoff-Austin um, thing. It's a great match. I recall it well. Um, but also, it had, you know, it had meaning. Again, this is my point: is that that was a fight for who was the supremacy of the um, of the brand. Um, it was a heel versus babyface match. Uh, it had consequences, and it was a good match. So, uh, you know, I'm all over that one. Yeah, and then obviously there was a couple. The well, the other match that. Uh, I recall from that one is the Buried Alive match there was uh, Undertaker in fact it was an interesting one wasn't it because you got the Undertaker against Vince McMahon in a Buried Alive match with uh, the, officially the death of the dead man um, before he was reborn as the American no sorry the death of the American badass no no yeah, other, other way around, other way around uh, before yeah. he was reborn as the dead man but then you got the McMahon younger in Shane against the other brother of destruction in Kane was that the ambulance match was that one uh, yeah. yeah it was wasn't it yeah um, so yeah, you got, and then the the main event being a gold, fairly forgettable Goldberg against Triple H match for the title. But um, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting card up and down. I thought it was an enjoyable show. I remember watching it live. That was the era when I used to watch the big shows live around at my friend Richard Young's house. Um, and so yeah, overall really really chuffed. Um, it's it's after that that my um, my sort of Survivor Series knowledge gets a little bit wishy-washy 2004 i can remember the main event um team triple h against team orton i'm a bit sketchy beyond that though well i think um that's one we touched on uh last time because i would i'd vaguely remembered that match because i remember that there was um some sort of consequence once again is they came out and had a, a week each as um that's right. raw gm didn't they essentially so uh and also there's Maven in a in a pay-per-view main event, mm. by the way, um, which I'm sure he enjoys watching now from uh, when he's finished his shifts at Tackle Down or whatever he does. It's um, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's me slagging off someone that's wrestled in main events and stuff, and there's this this prick in his own kitchen slagging off wrestlers. Yeah, good one, Rob. Um, but um, yeah, I never don't know anything about Maven. That's not a personal dig. Don't know anything about him. Um, but uh, I would say, yeah, you're right, and I would say it's probably worth us just. You know, flicking through as we go now, because we were again, we were talking about um, the historical importance of these um, these shows. So, I think it's fair we will we'll sort of stop if we come across something which is. It does certainly, it does you know, certainly dip in terms of the, you know, you're getting into the era here of the SmackDown versus Raw matches, um, very much which so. are not um, are not good, frankly. I'm just, I, I have actually had to resort to Wikipedia. From 2004 onwards, what I tell you what, we'll we'll stop on 2006 actually, 
So we'll look at 2006. Again, I remember this match well um, because I'd not long... Well, no, I tell a lie. I'd moved, I'd been in Brighton just short of two years at that point. But I wasn't very big into my wrestling because I had no fans, uh, friends there that were fans. Difficult for me to watch it. And until this, and we just got Sky in, the, uh, in our flat just before this um, pay-per-view was on. Before then, I used to resort to watching them on YouTube the next day. This was back in the day when... You could upload a whole pay-per-view to YouTube the next day and uh, Google wouldn't remove it immediately because it wasn't that sophisticated. Um, but yeah, I remember this one. This was the first one where I looked at the car and I went, fuck me, I've got to see this and I've got to watch it live and I've got to pay for it. Um, and a lot of that was down to the uh, mid-card, well, in a mid-card emplacement only um, Survivor Series match between Team DX, which was the Hardy Boys... Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and a newly debuting or recently debuted CM Punk against Team Rated RKO, RKO which was Edge, Johnny Nitro, Mike Knox, Gregory Helms, and Randy Orton. Um, and I just remember this one for how strongly CM Punk was put over, if you remember, with all the fans chanting his name before the match and Triple H letting him finish DX's catchphrase. And I was a big Punk fan. I'd, I'd followed him on the Indies. I'd followed him in OVW. Followed him just into um, into WWE. And I remember this was just about the time I was splitting up with a girlfriend that I'd been to see, um, been to see uh, some WWE live in Florida with. Yeah, absolutely. Stop it. This is, it's not, we're not going that way. Um, this is, and I'm just thinking, wow, CM Punk has really made it here. He's absolutely sitting at the top table. Obviously, that wasn't to be for Christ five years. He meandered around, but on this night, it looked like CM Punk was about to become the man. Um, so I think that's quite an important note to note to strike. It is. I'm desperately trying to remember the exact words or the exact context. As I interviewed CM Punk, uh, so let me let me try and work out. So what is this? This is 2006. Yeah. So this is so WrestleMania 22 would have been that year. I interviewed Punk. I think after WrestleMania 25. Um. So that's 2009. So around about. Two and a half years after this Survivor Series match that you're talking about, I interviewed Punk um, in London after a, before a, a show at the O2. Uh, so we'd recently been at WrestleMania 25. He'd won Money in the Bank, uh, and I don't know if you recall, but he wore the um, he wore some um, some tight. He was in the in the phase of wearing the tights that were Chicago. Oh yeah. Um, the Chicago flag, but in different yep. colours. And uh, he had worn some um, black, white, and pink. I remember um, them, yeah. Trunks for that for that WrestleMania, which hadn't registered to me at the time. SummerSlam, wasn't but it? He wore those for. No, no, for Was WrestleMania. It? Well, he may have worn it at other times as well, but in particular, he wore them at the WrestleMania, uh, and he said it was for Bret Hart. They were they were specifically Bret Hart trunks. That's what he had them made for, uh, as an homage to Bret. Um, and because it comes up, because I had interviewed Bret like the day before or two days before mm. um, and Brett had talked about some of the the current wrestlers that he really liked and one of them was CM Punk this was definitely definitely just after okay. WrestleMania 25 because because 20, WrestleMania 25 is, is Brett will tell you and I've spoken to him about this privately and this, Brett will tell you that WrestleMania 25 was really when Brett started to come back now he'd, he'd done the Hall of Fame before that he'd done the the DVD before that but that's he said what started to get him back he loved 
Sean versus Taker and he said he was really proud of both of them and he said he felt you know, really good for the pair of them how good the match was he loved that Wrestlemania um, and I spoke it was just after that Wrestlemania where I interviewed him and I did an interview with him for Fight Spirit Magazine and Joel and Simon did him for uh, WrestleCast for mm-hmm. Uh, and at some point that day, he'd been talking to us about the wrestlers that he liked currently, and he massively put over how much he liked CM Punk. Okay, interesting. And bugger me, within two days, three days, me and Joel are sat there backstage at the O2 interviewing CM Punk, um, and he told us about the Bret Hart trunks, and you know we immediately went, oh look, we've just interviewed Bret, and he said how great he thought you were, and like Punk's eyes widened. He couldn't. He was so excited by the fact that that Bret had put him over. And you know what? We went back to our interviews, and neither of them featured anything that said anything from Brett about no. So we think Brett. We think Brett must have told us when we were chatting, rather than actually on the record. So I've, you know, I'm sure CM Punk has got over it in the ensuing nine years. But you know, I always felt bad that we told him, "Well, oh, you've got like look for our interviews because he's, you know, Brett puts you over." And actually, there's no sign of it in the actual interviews. But like I say, I'm sure he never even looked at them. But the, what I'm getting at is a roundabout ways I remember talking to Punk I remember bringing up that question about um, that particular Survivor Series and about Triple H and Sean and, and whatever and saying you know that really felt like the moment you were someone because they let you say the are you ready and he went and I remember him sort of going yeah sort of and he really didn't sell it and he got, got this real idea that it felt like he felt that Triple H and Sean were doing lip service to him, that they didn't really mean it. It was sort of them trying to get themselves over to the cool crowd yeah. by including Punk, as opposed to them going, this is the guy. Get behind this guy. It was more like, oh, he's the cool guy at the moment, so if we align ourselves with him, we look cool by association. I think that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of how Punk put it across. Um, you can take Punk in various different ways. I've interviewed CM Punk twice, and he's been nothing but cool to me. In fact, at the end of that interview was one of the nicest compliments I've ever had in my career, I would suggest. And the, the, the person that wrapped up the interview said, you know, one more question. And Punk went, oh, I could talk to these guys all day. Aww. And it's like, that is such a nice thing to hear. Do you know what I mean? So um, that was a really cool interview. as one I, I look at very, very fondly. Um, and then, fun, do you know what? Funnily enough, the next time I interviewed Punk was for his DVD when it came out. Uh, and I interviewed him on the same day as I interviewed Bret Hart. It's just a total coincidence that they happened to do the two of them together. And it was the week of... Do you remember they had the little set two on Raw the night that Jerry Lawler had the heart Yes, I do. It was that week. Wow. So, um, literally, that happened on the Monday, and by the end of the week, I'd interviewed Punk and Bret on that week when Jerry had his heart attack. So talk about being newsworthy it was unbelievable for me at the time anyway I'm I'm digressing and talking about myself again <laughs> but um, uh, but back to that match that you were talking about the, the one other thing that I remember from when you started to say about who was in that match again it might show Sean and, and Hunter their, their worst perhaps who? it's a very who? very fun sure. <laughs> Paul and Michael <laughs> um, but, you know, Triple H and Sean are at their worst but there's a real um, you know, it's very funny but it's a real prick I moment. know what you mean where Sean tags in and Mike Knox is in the other corner and Sean just turns back to the corner and goes who's that? Well he eliminates him doesn't he? That's what he does he, elim- he, he comes in eliminates him in a super kick and kicks him out and then he turns to his team and goes who was that? Goes, who, who was, was that? that? Mike Knox yeah. oh right okay, okay. who? Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. and it's a very strange moment and it's like it's very funny but it's like Mike Knox had a bit of potential yeah he did and it's like Knox was looking like a big. What I've always said, it's one of the biggest moments I've ever gone. 
oh hello they might be onto something is when Knox kicked the shit out of Mysterio and then he went backstage and someone ran up and caught up with him a backstage reporter and said you know what was that for why did you do that and he went don't know and I thought oh I like that <laughs> I like a heel that just beats up people and then says rather than going he looked at me funny in the corridor or I've never liked Mexicans or anything like that he just went don't know just enjoyed it I thought yes that's a fucking psycho someone that just beats up people just they like it and it just never really went anywhere and it was I think this is I don't know if that's pre or post the doesn't like Kelly Kelly being a stripper routine not sure he kind of fed, and he kind of faded away and then ended up being in the the greatest bad or the best terrible or the worst brilliant um, faction ever aces and eights Aces and eights, which Still can't decide. An absolutely tremendous storyline populated with losers. Yep. <laughs> exactly right. Here, here's an absolutely fantastic storyline. Who's in the group? Oh, where's fucking Briscoe? That's exciting. Well, as good as Mike Knox, Mike Knox could have been, um, when he's the best guy in the faction, you've got a problem. Um, Mike Knox, Luke Gallows, where's Briscoe? Devon Dudley. Garrett Bischoff, Devon Dudley. D'Lo Brown, it, your boy Al Snow was in there. Taz was in there, was he? I think for a while. Ta- Taz after he'd retired. Obviously, Bubba Ray was in there, and that was good at the time. He was, you know, he was. A, we're digressing again, yeah. but um, Ken, An- Ken Anderson. Yeah. Well, Ken Anderson is in this in this uh, in this pay per view. So it's not he a is, pay-per-view. and he's also in the next. Beating the Undertaker, beating the Undertaker. This is a point where Mr. Kennedy in two thousand. I would have suggested to you that Mr. Kennedy in 2006 was a bigger can't miss prospect than CFR. Definitely. They were right behind him. Um, and then it turns out that Randy Orton wasn't a fan. Allegedly. Listen, I think Ken I think Ken sowed his own seeds of problems. I really like Ken. I haven't seen him for years and years but for a short while interviewing him in the back end of WWE and then a couple of times in uh, in TNA I actually watched quite a lot of a gut check backstage um, you know you know when they yeah, the gut, yeah. got the terrible TV no, feature gut check but when they used to do it in the arena at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon this actually might have been the same day as your um, Ric Flair fixing your watch um, oh right story. yeah yeah it might be it was certainly in the same arena um, at Wembley Arena and I watched a, quite a lot of gut check with Ken I was already sitting there watching it and he came up and sat with me I'd interviewed him a couple of days before it was an absolutely terrific fella. I really liked Ken a great deal, but I, I do think he was the architect of his own downfall um, in WWE with some of the things he said and the people he rubbed up the wrong way. And it's a shame because I really think there was a hell of a career in that guy, which he may well look back on and think, oh, I could have had something. But you know, so it goes. well, let's move on to 2007 because there's a very interesting match in there, one for the ages. Um, I think we need to talk about it. it was the fifth match on the card. Um, it was a clash of the titans in the great Carly against Hornswoggle. Uh, the match, match. Hornswoggle, Hornswoggle, McNutt. And and just to add to the historicness of it, historicness, historic context of it, the official Wikipedia match timing is 3:16. So that <laughs> clearly they did it on purpose to add to the historical aura of this whole masterclass in wrestling history. Um, Brilliant. I noticed that the uh, in doing that the um, the ten diva tag match uh, official time is four four two. Oh, very good. So that, 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 that suggests that they prefer uh, an, an orthodox system with two up front. And there leaders. you go. So let's have a look at two thousand eight. Oh, few of them did have two up front. Yeah. 
Um, right, I, I mentioned saying let's have a look at two, uh, 2008, but I think maybe we shouldn't. Ouch. Ouch, that's a pay-per-view. Uh, uh, okay, let me have a look just, on this. Like it's not actively bad, it's just not memorable, and certainly we shouldn't waste time talking about it. And I think 2009 is the same, if I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the, the first thing I look at is, is Team HPK, and I think, yes, that's a team that Sean built from the ground up, isn't it? With Rey Mysterio, Crime Time, and the Great Cali. <laughs> there you go. It's always this. Is this at the end of that terrible Sean and JBL yeah, angle? Yeah, you've got that's That's part of it. And then. That was a dire I, angle. I think this was possibly one of my least favourite periods in WWE these few years, actually, because you look, look at 2009, it's much the same. It's got an uninspired triple threat Cena, Triple H, Shawn Michaels main event when they're still in DX together. Um, then you've got another triple threat for the other world title in The Undertaker against Big Show and Jericho. So in both cases, you've got the champion in triple threat match, matched against two tag team partners, which is just weird. I think the only notable thing about this one was, was uh, the Kofi Kingston performance, wasn't it? Was where he was thought to have been a bit of a breakout star, but it never really happened. Yeah, there's been a couple of those occasions, isn't there? That was, I don't know, was it, when was the, there was that particular night in Madison Square Garden, wasn't there, when he came with the uh, the boom drop from a, a balcony sort of thing? And, um, that That's right, yeah, time, it was, it was, not, it was not part of the sure. same feud, exactly. It's actually interesting, I'm going to very, I'm going to try and very quickly rattle through every name on this card. And do you know what, talent-wise, wow, there's some talent here, you know. Ziggler, McIntyre, Swagger, Miz, Sheamus, Bourne, Evan Bourne, Finley, John Morrison, Matt Hardy, Shelton Benjamin, no dud so far, Batista, Mysterio, Christian, Kofi Kingston, Mark Henry, MVP, R-Truth, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase Jr., William Regal, Taker, Big Show, Jericho, Cena, Triple H and Michaels in the main event, and even in the girls' match, Eve, Gail Kim, Kelly Kelly, Melina and Mickey versus Alicia Fox, Beth Phoenix, Gillian Hall, Layla and Michelle... I'd say there's a couple in the uh, of the ladies there wouldn't necessarily feature in my all-time lists, but other than that, all the fellas mentioned are either pretty good workers, big stars, or both. That's a really, really good lineup. Yeah. If, but it's interesting that it's not a very notable pay-per-view or indeed period. But it, that's, there's some talent. Well, there. It, there is, but you know, it just draws on and on and on. It was a really fallow period in in terms of interest. It genuinely is probably my least interested period in WWE ever. You know, you just just flick forward to 2010. It's much the same story. You've got the Randy Orton against Wade Barrett main event where. C I just want to um. Can, can I just hold you for just a, just Go a on. second because um, uh, the Shawn Michaels um, the Shawn Michaels Triple H and John Cena um matches that um, it's it was just so flippant. You know the 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 build up the build up was so flippant. Um as it went was you know it was all smiley and happy and jolly between the three of them there was no real heat but um i'm interested to see what the um on the, that wikipedia page that you're talking about it says um i just want to quote from what it says it says survivor series has received generally mixed reviews from critics with many noting the predictable card and lackluster showcase of a talent of a big full pay-per-view uh, the sun gave the event a seven out of ten <laughs> seven point five out of ten score praising Kofi Kingston's push but criticising the predictability of matches particularly the two world title matches they commented on the WWE Championship match stating that the first five seconds was Shawn Michaels immediate super kick to Triple H gave a bigger shock than the rest of the event that's obviously a very wise pundit <laughs> um, 
discussing there on a, <sighs> in a piece entitled Cena Survives as DX Explodes The Sun London written by McNichol oh very yeah. nice not name not name checked unfortunately nice trip nice but, trip uh, down lane there mate it's actually genuinely right I, I, it is a little bit cool every now and again when you look at uh, pay, and I swear I swear on any non-specific deity you wish not that I believe in them but I swear on anything you wish me to swear by that I have never, ever written a single word on Wikipedia, ever. But when you look at quite a lot of pay-per-views and it talks about the uh, reception and the references, it's very, very often not only the sun, but me. And, and No, you can say all, but it is like... Sometimes you do go, fucking hell, that's quite cool, no, isn't it? That of all the people in the entire world that like wrestling and talk about it that my reviews are so yeah good. no I agree and, I, 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 and I, I, I kind of like that that just for a little while there that I was someone that people listened to well, let's be honest mate <laughs> it's reason. the only reason this podcast got any credibility well that's yeah. true yep. that's true certainly not for the uh, certainly not for the um, the content of uh, of uh, anything that um, has come between us in the last uh, in last year or so I'm living on past glory <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both, mate. The re- our wrestling heydays are behind us, eh? Let's 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 not worry about that too much, though. Um, it could get quite melancholy, <laughs> couldn't it? Um, so yeah. yeah, 2010, equally skippable. Um, what have we got in there to look at? Yeah, it's the one where Orton took on Barrett in the main event with Cena as special guest referee, and he got fired. But then he came back the very next night on Raw. He was fired for literally zero right. days for no day so it's uh it's uh that's right it's certainly um it's something that the uh the sun at the time gave eight out of ten so that's pretty good i'm sure the sun was uh completely (laughs) non-biased as they were flown to wrestlemania that year by wwe i'm sure it was a very very uh uh uh, what year is this no i think i'd been to i think i'd been to mania we were in the we were in the bad books by then they didn't like us fair enough well i got flown to 25 but uh let's Let's go on. We went to let's go on to 2011. And talking about um, talking about heydays, this for some reason on a personal. I was in Singapore when this pay per view took place, and I remember. Um, God knows why I remember this, but I remember being in the best shape of my life when this was on, and I remember thinking, God, what if I work hard enough, one day I could look like John Cena as well. Uh, and it's all been pretty much downhill from literally that day forth. And now, and now your three and a half year old is mucking he's you pretty, pretty much. Pre- and he's, he's pretty much the catalyst for that physical downfall. So uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Cheers for that. Um, but no, in all seriousness, you've got this one um, is notable for the pretty much massive blockbuster main event where you've got the return of the Rock. In actual fact, the Rock's mm-hmm. first match back since when? Two thousand three. Oh, it would have been whenever he did the um, WrestleMania match with Foley, wouldn't it? When he oh, did the yes. That, with you're Evolution. right, that was it, 2004. So, um, first... That was WrestleMania 20. 20 yeah, so it? this is the first rock match yeah. in over seven years, which is quite a gap. Um, and back in MSG, wasn't it? Was it, was it? Was it? Was it? Um, were they both in yes, MSG? I think they were yes, both in yes, MSG. Yes, you're right, they were. Yeah. Good shout. Um, so, yeah, you got John Cena and The Rock uh, defeating... Miz and R-Truth in one of the great upsets in our sports history um, uh, not that that team was put together just to lose to Cena and The Rock I'm sure um, and then we go to Survivor Series 2012 and what have we got? That's, to be fair 
To be fair, there was that history with me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was very good. It was good. Yeah. And then, and then. Yeah. No, it wasn't very good. Uh, it was, I enjoyed it. I it enjoyed was, it. There was a bit of a, there was a bit of credit. 2012. Um, the card itself. If you just look at the results and the matches, there's not a massive amount here to to grab hold of. But what the Summer Series in 2012 will be remembered for is the debut of uh, the Shield. Is that right? That, that, was, that was. one was it. Oh, it was okay, the, yeah. the main event. Was uh, they attacked Cena and Ryback during the main event of this pay per view in their in their attractive black turtlenecks before they settled on the proper riot gear. They were they were five years. Five. That is incredible. You just wouldn't say it was five years, would you? Like we could be getting old men sitting around doing this conversation, but I'd never said that. Well, my, it's funny. It's funny. The Shield kind of bend my timeline a little bit because oh, yeah, they, they really, really weren't together all that long, were they? So. Yeah, by the end of what was it? Um, just let me get these, get this thing straight now. So, WrestleMania 30 was the last WrestleMania they were together, wasn't it? And the first WrestleMania they had together was was well, WrestleMania 29. They were only together less than two years. Eighteen months. Yeah. Eighteen months. But then that's that's a reasonable amount. Of time. They they became fair play. They they went from nobody to being one of the greatest factions in WWE history in 18 months and to the point now where they're an iconic act and you know they bring with the recent return they're bringing them back and they're treating them very much for better or worse I'm not saying I agree with it but very much like the DX reunion in 2006 yeah. um, I'm not true. a fan of it in terms of what the product we see on screen but they're certainly presenting them as one of the greatest Stars as an entirety, one of the greatest acts in in history. So I think that's a massive credit to all three of the guys. Um, and I'm just huge. You know, I'm. I've said this before. I've got a few wrestling DVDs on my shelf. There aren't many. There's three: the CM Punk, Macho Man Randy Savage, and the Shield. And that's it. Uh, I think that's quite representative. As oh, and tell a lie. There's a fourth: the Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. And I think that really says a lot about my favourites as a wrestling fan. Um, the Shield to me are just absolute perfection, um, and so yeah, it was great. You know, great to look back on their first first night in the in the Fed, as we used to call it back in the day. The Fed. I start calling it the Fed again. Quite like that. Okay. You, yeah, you yeah, I will. Um, it just sounds like a really shit nickname for Roger Federer. Um, but um, you can, I think you can go back and look at this and. You see how far they've come and, and what they've done individually. Obviously, that's an important thing as well when it comes to being a group. What did it spin off? What did they produce individually? And you know, I would say that the um, the achievements of the Shield, all winning world championships and being good single stars, you know, is right up there with the achievement this week of a of a third member of One Direction having a number one album in America. Oh, is that right? And uh, matching only the Beatles for uh, a group um, splitting apart and having three different members. Having a, a number one album. What about that? One Direction, The Beatles, and The Shield. <laughs> Peas in a pod. Fair play. Fair play. I like that, I think. Um, 2013. Not Ringo. Well, before you... Well, before yeah, you he had Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, Ringo he, trumps he, all. Which, uh, which um, Thomas the Tank Engine, of course, which spawned the name Trevor Danger. <laughs> of course. So, can we go on to Survivor Series 2013 now? Let's let's get let's, to the home let's. straight. Again, not not a massive amount to to talk about here. It was a bit of a letdown actually. We ended up with, you know, in a really hot period for CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, we ended up them in a bit of a damp squib of a match between Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Um, 
Who? Who? The Bludgeon Brothers. What? Wanton the Destruction. The Bludgeon Brothers. Um, I remember this one on a personal note. Sorry, on a hooked on note. We'd not long started doing the parties. It was the start of that year, if you remember, we'd started running these events in London. And I happened to be in Shooter's Sports Bar in Leeds, which obviously many will recognise. Um, didn't go in there very often. I was in there to watch the NFL, actually. And it just so happened that a couple of guys were running a Survivor Series party in there. And um, it was fairly poor if I'm if I'm honest there was about six people there um but I saw I thought hang on why don't I do this so I just emailed the bar the next day made myself known and lo and behold that for the Royal Rumble it leads shooters became the first hooked on party to take place outside of London yeah so I knew, I knew that actually I knew that I knew that it was Leeds and I didn't know the story behind it but uh, I knew that Leeds was our first branch off and because it's where you live yeah time, so, so this uh, this this pay-per-view sort of spawned the how expansion it did so that's, that's, a, that's a that's a really nice note actually it's a um because i think everyone has you know joking aside i've, I've mentioned about uh being proud of the fact that my name is on some wikipedia you know write-ups but i think everyone has their own sort of personal affiliation with wrestling whether it's the first wrestler who you ever met or it's the first shirt you ever bought or the first pay-per-view you watched and who the champion was mm. or, or whatever it may be everyone has a personal connection there's a reason why there will be you mentioned tonight I forget exactly when it was but you specifically went oh I was in Brighton at the yeah. time oh I'd split up with my girlfriend at the time and that you, you do you have these things and that you, you I find songs are the most evocative do you ever hit listen to a song on the radio of course and it puts you in a specific place at a specific time I'm going to be all wanky here but see when I hear the song Complicated by Avril mm. Lavigne right I'm not saying it's my favourite or anything this is, it's okay it's not a bad little song but that basically came out at almost the exact time I went to university and I hated university by the way and I, that song kind of it's a real wanky 18 year old thing to think but I found it. I was very found the whole thing very complicated, leaving home and moving away and trying to grow up and whatever. And so that song will always resonate with me. It's not my favourite ever, but I can absolutely put myself walking along, you know, walking along a along Southcote Road in 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 Bournemouth, you know, where I went to uni, you know, hearing that song. And um, and wrestling matches will do the same. There'll be certain matches and certain you know events that will put you in a time in your life. Paul and I are very fortunate that we've had experiences with wrestling so in that point where you were just talking about sort of 09 you know 2010 um when you're talking about being a real fallow period for um for wrestling uh you're not wrong but I remember it as a time where I was the lead writer for the mm. Sun, you know and I was you know doing some cool stuff and actually I was probably doing more cool stuff with with TNA um than I was with um with anything else because uh certainly towards that end of just you know just before when did Bischoff and Hogan start was that 2010 um, I honestly couldn't tell you I think it was 2010 I think so yeah so I went to Bound for Glory 2008 and 2009 um, which is you know around about this time of year it was October I think they generally were I know it's, I know it's this yeah. coming Sunday actually, isn't it Bound for Glory but um, they were generally October and you know I was treated like royalty and I remember you know, it just it was just after that Bound for Glory 2009 that the Bischoff Hogan thing started, and I remember the tour in January. You know, they'd, they'd only just sort of taken over, and I remember talking to one or two guys and saying, "What's it like?" And they were all very cagey and wary at that point. Um, but if you recall, when TNA went to Mondays 
you know, or for the first that one-off Monday when it was the first, um, you know, Hogan debut. It was that's when Brett came back? On oh the, yeah, the left, well that was that? definitely two thousand. It was January two thousand ten. So I was on a holiday. Ja- I was on honeymoon. It was honeymoon, January two thousand ten. Well, they are. You've yes. just done it. Yes. You've just gone bang, and you've just done exactly yeah. that. You, you've gone to a, po- a point in your life, you know. But I can certainly point out to that that 0809 where we were on relatively good terms with WWE. Um, I went to WrestleMania 25 in 2009. Um, I went to two consecutive Bound for Glories with TNA. As you know, Paul, we were on terrific terms with TNA and had great access to the guys. And you know, for me, as a 24, 25, 26 year old. Um, you know what a time in my life that was. You know I look back on that incredibly fondly. Um, and as it happens, it's not a great era in wrestling. It's a very fascinating one to look at certain aspects of who was getting pushes and what was happening with TNA and 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 whatever. It's a very fascinating time in the history of the business, but it's certainly not a high quality one, I don't think. Although I often talk about that that build to WrestleMania 26 was almost perfection, and then the the, the WrestleMania itself was really quite poor, but. Um, anyway, we're digressing away from Survivor Series, but certainly the point that was made originally was that you know you will have times in your life where you can you can put yourself somewhere, and I think that's important as big fans. You know, not, I'm not talking about Paul and I, but I'm talking about everyone listening. Um, you know, wrestling is probably a big part of your life, and we'll take it too seriously sometimes, and not seriously enough at others, and we'll have fun, and we'll have tears, and whatever. But when something is a big part of your life, and you can you know, link it to other things, you know, don't diminish and don't put down that emotional aspect of it because there will be moments where, you know, you really will have lived through a character and you'll have identified with a character and, and their struggles and, and so when Jeff Hardy wins the title finally and when Shawn Michaels wins that um, elimination chamber and when Daniel Bryan wins the world title and there are these moments where actually you can live through these guys and I've, I've gone a bit weird now in this podcast but I genuinely mean it and I think there are some some really cool moments in history and that obviously brings us on to what you're going to talk about now is that we're, you know, the, the huge moment in that particular Survivor Series uh, in 2013 um, when Big E Langston beat Curtis Axel for the Intercontinental oh, Championship which is obviously one of the biggest moments in that title's Absolutely. history Absolutely, who could forget it? You know, it's, um, it's pivotal in the recent renaissance of the Intercontinental title and both of those guys' careers um, I, th- I think Big E would absolutely look back at it as the highlight of his uh, of his time in WWE, don't you think? Oh yes, without a doubt. I mean, forget all this New Day stuff that's actually got the guy over. That was clearly the uh, the highlight was when he won that little piece of tin off of Curtis Axel, most definitely. Um, yeah. We're coming towards the end here, aren't we? We've only got a few to go. That was 2013, wasn't it? So 2014, I guess, I mean, we can talk matches and stuff on the actual show, but really, we're talking about his- history here, aren't we, on this in a particular chat, and you're going to talk Sting. We, well, it's the only thing of note on that pay-per-view, really. Good match. Um, interesting in current context that Dolph Ziggler was the sole survivor in the main event of a pay-per-view. But, yeah, it's all about the first WWE appearance for the Stinger, isn't it? Um, which was uh, to put the authority in their place, which obviously ultimately ended in Triple H going over at WrestleMania. Yes, and we'll, we'll, talk, about the particularly <laughs> that, we'll talk about that particular match, and we won't talk about Edinburgh Rose and the Bunny which is, of course, on this, uh, on this, <laughs> on this particular uh, really? card. Adam Rose and the Bunny versus Slater Gator. Oh, my Lord. I love five, it. Five-star love... classic anywhere in the world, particularly in Johannesburg. Anyway, um, moving uh, swiftly on. Uh, it feels a bit... I don't like to sort of brush over Sting so so like that, but it was... 
I don't know. I think I feel like although that was the big moment where Sting appeared, it you know as you said, it's you kind of feel more about the the Triple H match at Mania and the the incident with Rollins, don't you? More than uh, yeah, you more, do. more than that particular damn thing itself. Uh, the following year, we're back to tournaments again. Well, a mini one, a four-man tournament, wasn't it? It was um, it was the tournament for the WWE title after Rollins actually injured himself. Um, so it was, I suppose, if you're talking, it wasn't a good pay-per-view, but historical context, you'd say it was the first of God knows how many title reigns for Roman Reigns we're going to see. Yeah, and of course there was... A, actually, there's more history in this one than I think, um, you, think you might realise, because yes, there's that, but there's also um, Kane and Taker, against the Wyatt family um, you know, this True. is Undertaker coming back to have a, a reunion with uh, with Kane perhaps just have one more um, tag match with Kane um, and also a, a cash-in you know Seamus cashed in I know that there's been multiple True. cash-ins but uh, you know, so there was quite a lot going on on this one if you were doing a, if you were writing a news story I always look at it as uh, back to my old my old job when I was working for the Sun, when you had to write it as a news story, not as a recap, but you had to go in with the news, and it was like, so what is the the big news of the night? Would it be Sheamus wins the title? Would it be Reigns, you know, um, wins it in the first place? Would it be that uh, the Undertaker was on the card? You know, there are some newsworthy things there, despite the fact that you might suggest the uh, the quality um, not so great, and also interesting to see that uh, a Survivor Series elimination match on that uh, card with uh, the Usos on one side and New Day on the other. Ah, interesting. In a, in a in a five on five, some others in there it was Barrett and Sheamus in the New Day versus the Usos, the Lucha Dragons, and Ryback. That's a disparate little group of uh, <laughs> of ten. And as always, Sheamus on the losing side, which meant that uh, he could cash in later on. Has anyone ever cashed in? You know, after a win, is it always the you know, Rollins loses to Orton and then cashes in the title? It's always the uh, the cash in is always done by a loser, isn't it? Um. What do you mean by that? Rollins loses. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, as in you, wins on the pay. You um, set up. You set up on the night that someone loses uh, a match, yeah, yeah. and they're on a losing uh, streak or something like that, and then they cash in. It's like you, well, they, the only one I could think of, which is a bit of a cheeky one, was when Kane won Money in the Bank and cashed in the same night against Rey Mysterio. Yeah, uh, yeah, there is that one. And, yeah. and Ambrose did it the same, didn't he, on Rollins, if I remember rightly? There's been a couple that have been along those sorts of lines. Yeah, yeah, where they've tried to do them quickly. But I'm just saying, well, they, they try and push you away from it they try to say oh look this guy's a bit of a loser and he's not going anywhere and you're supposed to forget that he's got a briefcase and I think that's uh, I think that's what they're uh, they're trying to do anyway um, and then we're up to date aren't we but that was that was 2015 so then it only goes last year so uh, um, what would be your headline of uh, of last year I suppose it has to be Brock and Goldberg oh absolutely yeah it's um, and what a match that turned into actually you know obviously it was there to promote the video game but it was what it was a hell of a spectacle um, for the few minutes it happened. It was the talk of the wrestling world. Goldberg, who we never thought would see back, actually, his whole run was a bit of a credit, really, wasn't it? You know, they it was a rare example of them booking to somebody's strengths. You know, he he's not a guy that can go even ten minutes in a ring and make it look credible, so he never ever did. Um, what did he have? Four matches totally. Had this match at Survivor Series, the rematch with Brock at WrestleMania beat Owens for the Universal title and enter the Royal Rumble that's it I think his sum total of action was under 10 minutes <laughs> in his whole run it was and, that, more, yeah. look, and that's not a criticism because it was exciting throughout it worked well don't love the fact that he took the title off uh, Owens I don't think that was necessary um, but hey ho um, 
obviously that was to get the title onto Brock for the run they wanted him to do now. But um, yeah, like it was, it was a it was a good main event, different in the fact that it like was so quick, which we've never really seen for a pay per view main event before. And uh, yeah, thumbs up. And uh, also here's an indication. We just we might be a strange bit to wrap it up in, but uh, just bringing it back to the present day a little bit is that um, the Team Raw versus Team SmackDown women's match last year. Do you remember the uh, the lineups? Without looking. Without um, looking. Oh, okay. So let's. Try. Is, was it five on five? Yeah. So obviously, I would imagine Raw would be Becky, Charlotte, Sasha. No, you, you've gone a bit too far back there. I'll tell. I'll of tell course, you have. Yeah, they're on. Yeah, go on. Let's, you go let's, not make, let's not make it too interminable. But it essentially could be the same ten that we'll have this time, just with one person different. So Team Raw had Alicia, Bailey, Charlotte, Nia, and Sasha against Alexa, Becky, Carmella, Naomi, and Natalia. So right. I was. It's just Alexa for, you know, Alexa for um, Charlotte, isn't it? Um, well, Charlotte wasn't. Uh, yeah, Charlotte's no. On, Charlotte's on Raw there, so Charlotte will be on yeah. SmackDown this time. Yeah. If you that's you right. just flick Alexa oh, over for for Charlotte, yeah. and that's basically yeah, that's right. be, yeah. that'll be what it will yeah. be, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> thanks for that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's assuming that they don't put they don't stick um, Asuka in there. I don't know if they're going to put Asuka in the match or not, but uh, don't know how that's going to work. But uh, by the way, just one one little quick. Well, while we are on briefly on um, up to date things. Why are wrestlers, and it's mainly the women at this point, so it's maybe them being a little bit uh, um, patronising, but why are wrestlers so bothered about being captains? Oh, it's, and don't get me started. It's another one of this, like, brand loyalty. It's another one of these fake, um, what's the word, fake states, I suppose you're looking for. There's absolutely no benefit in any way, shape, or form to be in the captain because it's just something else for them to argue, fight about. It's absolutely stupid. Is that, is it, it's, have been, when's the last time you wanted to be captain? Like, oh, outside God. of playing football in the playground when you were about 11. Or maybe if you had to do a you know, a task in science or something and there was someone in, in the group that was thicker than you but they thought they wanted to you know, try and run how the task was going to work. Genuinely, no one over the age of 12 has ever wanted to be captain you know, in the in the way that wrestlers fight for it, it's so ridiculous. Manufactured Jeopardy, and it drives me insane. What a great band they were! Manufactured Jeopardy, <laughs> several of their albums in the uh, in the there late nineteen eighties. Well, we've brought ourselves up to date. I think. I mean, that's our little Paul and Bob's little run through of um, Survivor Series. We didn't really, really realise we were going to do that, did we? We just said, well, let's no. talk about Survivor Series. And we've ended up doing a bit of a, a linear flick through the. Uh, the historical moments of the uh, of the pay-per-view I've, in, uh, I've, I've enjoyed doing that you, have I proved you there's a little bit more to it than you might have thought yes yes you, you genuinely you genuinely have but it's mainly because like I said there are lots of matches in the past where you'll say to me do you remember the match that this bloke and this bloke had and I'll go yeah fantastic what pay-per-view was it I'll go oh I don't know unless it's a Royal Rumble or a Wrestlemania I generally don't remember what pay-per-views they are so sure um I'm saying that Survivor Series identity is its Survivor Series matches, and I don't like them, so I tend to forget what what pay-per-view things have been on. So as we were going through, I was suddenly going, "Oh yeah, of course that was that." I completely forgotten that the first ever um, Elimination Chamber, um, okay, you know, was at the Survivor Series, and actually, I kind of feel that I wish it had stayed there. You know, I wish oh, the, yeah, yeah, I absolutely. wish one Elimination Chamber match been on Survivor Series. Um, you know, in the same way that you had a Hell in a Cell match in No Way Out or something, I kind of, I kind of like the uh, 
I would kind of like it better if they'd have stuck with that rather than doing something because I love the Elimination Chamber. You know, we can have a chat about this nearer the time of Survivor Series because obviously we've talked about um, my not liking um, War Games as we talked about a couple of weeks mm. ago, and people will say, "Oh, so, you know, the Elimination Chamber is just a combination between War Games and a Hell in the Cell, or War Games and Hell in the Cell and the Rumble, or you know, whatever you want to say." But I don't care. I love Elimination Chamber. I think the oh, standard, yeah. standard of the matches is almost always really high. And it's got total logic to it. My issue with war games is you fight for ages and there's no eliminations, or at least with the elimination chamber, the clues in the question, you know, and you can beat people before uh, before everyone's out. So anyway, it's a match that I love. We can do that another time to uh, to go through those. Um, we are running short on time. I know you need to uh, to shoot away. So um, we said we, we did promise that we were going to do some sheep questions. I think we are running a bit short on time ourselves. So let's do one. Let's pick let's one. Do of one. The, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good let's idea. Pick yeah. one of the sheep questions that uh, if again if you're tuning into this late and you don't know what we're talking about, um we have a new quiz which we're gonna start the second one quite soon I think, aren't we? The second sheep yeah. quiz. Um around about in around about the time of Survivor series. But what it is essentially in fact it's your game, Paul, you explain very quickly. Essentially it's a quiz where the idea is not to get the correct answers but to get the group think answers. So we're going to ask you 10 questions. Those 10 questions, the answers to them will not be you know, factual questions. They'll be opinion-based questions. So the example I always use is, what is the best WrestleMania of all time? You might think it's WrestleMania 10, for instance. But what you think doesn't necessarily matter in this game. What we want to know is what you think the majority answer is going to be. So if there's 30 people playing, um, you get points for every person who shares the same answer as you. So if there's, like I say, 30 people playing and... 15 of those say WrestleMania 10, then everybody who said WrestleMania 10 will get 15 points. If four of them say WrestleMania 6, then those four will get four points. So on and so forth throughout the 10 questions. The one who's got the most points at the end of the game is your sheep winner. Indeed. I like the point where you said if you say that the best WrestleMania is, is WrestleMania 10. So essentially, if you say that, it means you're Donnie Wahlberg. That's basically all it means, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no one else is saying. Two, two unbelievable matches, two of the best matches in WrestleMania history. But as an entire card, WrestleMania 10, no, no, no. Um, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's do the, the question for this week. So what let's... we're going to do, we, we've, we've already done uh, the first edition of the of the Sheep Quiz. Um, it was um, historically uh, won, or at least co-won, uh, by me and some other fella called Thomas. Um, so, in, irrelevant. But mainly the point is I won. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we will do that again at another point. But we're just discussing some of the topics that we did in the first one because not only are they uh, fascinating questions to be asked um, in terms of what people would say, but also a, a little discussion point. So we thought we'd hit on those. And I don't know what you're going to come up with. So uh, well, I, I haven't done any prep. But it's, uh, go I'm going to go with question nine because I think it's quite an interesting question. It had a very a landslide of an answer. Um, remember there's 29 people played and the question in this one was which non-contracted star would you like to see at Wrestlemania uh, in April 2018 um, the overwhelming winner of this with 20 out of the 29 was Kenny Omega um, wouldn't have taken a genius to figure out was going to be the one that win one that won the only other one that got more than one vote was in fact CM Punk who got two um, and then we had singles for Edge Stone Cold Steve Austin, James Storm, EC3, no surprise that was Francis Reyes who went for that, Mr. TNA Impact himself. Um, Fard Ahmed went for Jimmy Havoc and we had one vote each for John Morrison slash Johnny Morrison slash Johnny Impact slash whatever you want to call him um, and one vote for Okada. Yeah, there's quite a, um, a range of... Uh 
range of choices there, including an uh, online delivery grocery service. But um, <laughs> I, I think um, that, that, no one's ever done that joke before. Um, I thought it was interesting that if that question had been asked a year or two, well, maybe two years ago, Punk would have won that in a landslide. Landslide, absolutely and landslide. And then there might have been a couple of Goldbergs, and there might have been a couple of Kurt Angles. Um, yeah. But Omega would not have got a vote a year ago. Well, he might have got one or two. That's not he might fair. have got a couple. He, he, he might have very, got a couple. He was very good a year ago, but he might have been in the Okada bracket of getting one think, or two. But I think the key point here is that you know clearly there's a few guys. You can just look at this, and there's a few guys here who've either missed the point or deliberately missed the point of the quiz because you know you can look at the answers, and I can confidently say um, John Morrison, Jimmy Havoc, bless him, but you know Jimmy Havoc, EC3, James Storm, those four guys there was absolutely no way they were going to be the majority answer not even close so the four guys that have gone for those four answers have, have m- grossly misread things or missed the point of the quiz entirely so then but then I look at um, Okada uh, Steve Austin Edge and CM Punk and although they scored few points and again I, w- I wouldn't have gone for them myself and you didn't in fact I can see the logic behind them um, I thought Okada might have scored more highly than he did, for instance. Um, I thought Sam Punk might have scored more highly than he did. In fact, Punk would be my answer. Um, as if I was going on what I actually wanted to see, it would be Punk. Um, but yeah. Did you, no. did you put a qualifier into this question? Did you say that it couldn't be certain people? Nope, nope, no qualifiers Cause, whatsoever. Because you, know, you know who's missing out of that? There's actually a sensible answer. Go on. Conor McGregor. Well, Conor yeah, McGregor. But... Yeah, well, it's 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 a it is a sensible answer, but um, Conor McGregor. Did you was the question main event? Nope, just appear. J- just appear at WrestleMania. Okay, well that's a bit slightly different, but um, I would say that of all the lists, Conor McGregor is more likely to be at WrestleMania next year than Storm. More is more likely than Storm. He's more likely than, than Austin. He's more likely than Edge. Um, he's more likely than EC3. He's more likely than Havoc. You know, you, you never know with someone like Okada or Megan. You know, I don't know what a contract situation would happen or some sort of. You never know that something might mm. come through. And you know, even Morrison might be someone that they would put in a, you know, in a battle royal or something like that as a, as a bit of an old, you know, an old name value. But you know, I think McGregor, <laughs> McGregor has got a genuine chance of being at WrestleMania in the next, next year, and certainly in the next. I would say in the, in the next three, almost certainly. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Almost certainly, he'll be one of the next three. I agree. And I agree. And, and you know, very, very possibly the next two outside chance of the next one. I just I think there's a an increasing so, chance over who, the next couple of years. Who would be your choice? Um, not not the most popular choice, not the sheep pants, but who would be your choice? Given the choice, it's a really good. It is a really good question. I did say Omega, um, mm. but I, I was going off the basis of. You know, that's what people will say. Yeah, quite. Um, you know, I, I would like to see it. You know, under the caveat of um, it being done properly. You know, you have the, you know, you have the whole history of the Bullet Club and whatever. Listen, before you get and anyone gets excited about that, WWE are never going to do the Bullet Club. Okay, they well, may. They they're never going to do it. Everyone goes, oh, they should do they should do the Bullet Club. They should bring in and do the. They won't. They will never. They won't do it because they're not allowed to, and. You know, unless they might try and get around it and just say balls to it by bringing in Omega and the Young Bucks and Marty Skrull and Cody and doing all of it, but they still theoretically can't say Bullet Club because it's not their gimmick. So, you know, the closest you're going to get is Finn Balor doing quote Balor Club, 
and people ha- and having you know Gallows and Anderson with him or something like that. But anyway, off the topic, you know Omega is fantastic. I first saw Kenny Omega wrestle in 2008 um, at Independence Day in Wolverhampton Civic Hall. Uh, and I loved him the pieces then. I thought he was a bit like a Carlito sort of uh, heel, but um, had a little bit more to him. Uh, I loved him. And I'm not saying I said at that point he's going to be the next big thing in wrestling. Um, I did, though, think you know he was way, way better than um, people would realise at the time. And you know, five years later, he was doing nothing. Was it Omega that had the match with the with the with a three-year-old or whatever it was. In yeah, Japan. the seven-year-old, yeah. Pe- people hated that and, and whatever. And he was kind of doing comedy stuff. Oh, then, it was, yeah. And then suddenly it all clicked. You know, and then, you know, despite the fact that the cleaner is the shittest nickname I've ever heard, um, <laughs> he is phenomenally good. And it doesn't surprise me that he's got to where he's got to. But I would put the caveat in terms of who I would like to see there next year. Um, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't want Kenny Omega wrestling a, a mid-card match against, um, I don't know... Luke Harper, for example, as no, much as I like Harper, no, no. I'm just saying, if Kenny Omega's at WrestleMania next year, he needs to be having, he needs to be in the main event against AJ Styles, or in the main event against John Cena or Brock Lesnar, or, or you know, or, or something like that. You know, that's what to me you have to you have to absolutely go all out. Not the Nakamura thing that they've done. You know, not that we recognise he's really good, but we sort of don't really want to admit it. So we'll kind of put him at the top of the card, but we'll have him lose, and you know. In the end, basically, you know, Naka, here you're talking about when I'm saying about um, McGregor being at one of the next three WrestleManias. I would say that in three WrestleManias' time, you're way more likely to have McGregor on the show than Nakamura. Nakamura will be on back on Wrestle Kingdom by then. Yeah, I think you're he'll right. Have gone, he'll have gone by then, and he'll go back into the welcoming bosom of New Japan. Um, I'm definitely starting to think of anyone else that, um, you know, I think from that world, I think sometimes it's more interesting to look at who can come from, you know, the world of. Um, some from sport or anything like that. You know, there has been lots of talk about you know Ronda Rousey. You know, I was going to say that, yeah. All of the chat that was going to, was happening about the four horsewomen things being for Survivor Series is clearly not going to happen now. Um, no, it's, it's got too close to that. So perhaps that's now a WrestleMania thing. But then has she lost her luster? You know, you know she's not nearly as big a star as she was. She's you know, she's, she's not. Still, uh, she's still a big star, but she's nowhere near who she was when she had that in-ring segment with Rock and. Uh, and so on. So you know, I think, I think from an, an actual pure wrestling perspective, you know, you have to say Omega. I think it's the, the logical one. You know, that you could simply, if you wanted to, you know, not go with the cheap answer, just pick a few guys that are out there wrestling, you know, in Japan that are really, really good that you'd like to see. Um, you know, I like Okada, but I like, um, I like Tanahashi more. Um, you know, I okay. think Tanahashi would be uh, would be someone that. Um, uh, that would fit, I think, in WWE a little bit more than Okada would, because I think Okada's not tainted by TNA, because people would just forget he was even in TNA. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't, I don't look, I look at Okada and I think, you know, um, I, I see Kenta, you know, I see what the, what's happened with Kenta, and mm. and do, do you know what of, of the of the list of other people that you mentioned, do you know genuinely of all the other people that were mentioned, the one of them I would take because purely because it's the gimmick. Let's you know, let's do James Storm and let's put in with Bobby Roode. Oh, I'd love it. Seriously, love it. you know, you probably couldn't call them beer money, but you could come up with a just as just as plausible, um, you know, you know, tag team name, because Bobby Roode is going to run his court. Bobby Roode is excellent, but he is a bit two dimensional. His music has got him to a certain point, really. He's a much much better wrestler than Fandango is or ever will be. 
But Fandango's music got him over to a point, and then everyone went, oh, he's not that good. Bobby Roode is very good, but there's a certain luster that will wear off. He's too old to be, you know, um, you know, someone that's a young one for the future for three or four years' time. He's nowhere near that. So in about six months' time, they're going to get fed up with Bobby Roode's glorious, and something new's, new's going to need to be done. If that's where you brought in Storm, and just admitted and just said, these two guys are a tag team, they go way back... They just have they just have a monster chemistry together, and it would just be so fun to watch them in WWE, just having a year or eighteen months or so wrestling as a tag team and having the fun that they used to. You know, screw Agreed. the fact that they had death matches or whatever in TNA. WWE won't care about that. Just bring them in, team them up, and have some fun. That would be a genuinely cool. I could I genuinely could see that happening. Yeah, at no. WrestleMania. Yeah, I agree, and there's obviously rumours flying around this week that James Storm's coming back anyway, so I think it's very oh, that- plausible. Oh, I genuinely, well, I genuinely don't didn't know that. I hadn't heard that, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, it's sort of scuttlebutt, isn't it? But yeah, I've seen that flying around. Well, okay. Well, if it were to be the case, then you know that would be dandio as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Sweet, mate. Well, okay. Well, uh, we'll draw a line under uh, under this fun show. I think it has been uh, quite a fun show. Um, we haven't really done any plugging this week. We've kind of done that deliberately. We were aware that sometimes we uh, we overhype and overplug to you, so we've uh, we've kept it to a bit of a minimum last week. But just before we wrap up, Paul is going to tell you a very small amount about what we're doing for Survivor Series. Well, we are going to run seven parties around the country for Survivor Series. Um, we've got six running in Shooters Bars, um, and they are in London. Uh, sorry, Leeds. Manchester, Cardiff, Liverpool, Nottingham and Birmingham. They're going to be free parties, which is a, a bit of a thank you to everyone who supported us for the rest of the year. Um, they're not going to be hosted. It's going to be quite bare bones. Um, but we are... Um, yeah, we're going, to, we're going to make them completely free. We ask if you would be so kind as to go to ringsideworld.co.uk and buy a ticket paying a deposit of a fiver. You get that back on the night as a bar token. The reason we want you to do that it's not essential, but we want you to because then we've got an idea of numbers for staffing of the bars. It's really, really, really helpful to us if you do that. Um, but if you don't, there's no problem. You can still just turn up on the night. I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat that one. In London, we are th- some, doing something more of a, a, akin to a full hooked-on party experience. Again, we're massively discounting the tickets. We, because of the logistics and the costs involved of putting stuff on down there we haven't been able to do it free like everywhere else but we've got the tickets down to seven pounds per person and we've also already sold a boatload way more than i expected to sell for survivor series it's actually going to be a great party uh, i've been proved wrong i didn't think people have come out to support survivor series as a paid event i'm very pleased to say i have been proved wrong so come along and um, tickets available for both from ringsideworld.co.uk or hookedoneventscouk uh, and before Rob beats me to it you can follow us on social at facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling for all the details and maybe some peripheral chit chat on twitter at HO underscore wrestling actually that wasn't what I was going to button and say I was going to button and say something that's very different I was going to say yes uh, ch- tune in next week to see Paul proven wrong again and after that ch- <laughs> tune, tune in to see to see Teddy Long book a tag match it's basically that, that common um, there you go. There you yeah, go. Bah, bah, bah. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, it's been a fun show. It started off with the uh, the tremendous revel- revelation that uh, I am negatively influencing Paul's son, um, and it ends with me having a go at him for uh, for getting things wrong. So uh, whoever said this is a, an unfair partnership, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, but be it's been a lovely. Star, to, Rob, be a star. Been, be a star. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you, my friend. 
Um, and uh, you know, you know, keep your keep your chin up, and uh, you know, don't let my uh, wise cracks and barbs get you down. That's okay. I've got plenty of therapy sessions booked for the next week, so we'll be fine. What the hell, Doctor Shelby? He's going to be back in uh, back in business, <laughs> isn't he? Now that uh, now, got, now that Kane's got his hands round the throat of Daniel Bryan again. That's it. Yeah, he's, he'll be he's... mortified. He's bound. To, he'd be mortified. Well, that was the uh, that was the White Undertaker, wasn't it? The Kevin oh, Furtick played. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> mortified. Anyway, what are we talking about? We we, uh, we need to wrap up the show. So uh, thank you all for uh, for listening. Uh, next week we will um, get into uh, maybe a couple more of the uh, the sheep questions that we haven't yet discussed. Um, we might be able to do some more Survivor Series build up. And, uh, and whatever else takes our fancy. And if you if you want to kind of steer us a little bit on the show, feel free to uh, to write in. There may well be a topic that you want us to talk about, whether it's uh, something in wrestling history or it's something that we've experienced. Or some of our moments, you know, Paul was working behind the scenes for uh, for TNA in terms of getting their TV rights booked around the world and going on promotional tours with people. I've been a wrestling journalist since 2006 and have interviewed uh, something like 30-odd world champions. So if there's anything uh, that you want to know about any of those kind of experiences, we're happy to chat about. We're happy to talk about ourselves, Paul, aren't we? Ah, now and again. Now, now and again. Now and yeah. again. So if uh, if any of those things come up, then that's uh, that's wonderful. Um, so we, we must go. Thank you very much for your uh, your uh, listenership, for your commitment towards Hooked on Wrestling. We'll see some of you uh, at Survivor Series, and even closer than that, we'll see some of you hopefully next time. So just remember, it's wrestling. So enjoy it. We'll see you very soon.